Welcome, everyone, to the very latest Bolt from the Blue podcast. And I'm excited to tell you we've got a whole bunch of things to talk about, not least uh, the game against Swindon. But before we get started on that, we've got the whole A-team here with us uh, tonight. And first of all, as you would hope, is Ray. How are you doing, Ray? Hey, Mike. I'm, I'm very well. I'm good to see that you're back on top form. Uh, a little bit poorly recently. But uh, yeah, it's good times. We won yesterday. It's always good. It was it was a, a great performance from the the C team or maybe the B team. I don't know. But uh, we'll get into that. And the next guy that you would hope for is Bernard. Bernard, how are you doing? I'm absolutely wonderful. I'm glad to be here. I've got a bit of a sore throat and a cough, but I've tested negative, so uh, it's just a silly old cold. So I'm feeling very depressed because I'm not got. Covid like everybody else, but uh, glad to be with you this evening. Fantastic. And also the one, the only Colin Savage. Colin Savage, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah, um, obviously good cup tie out the way and uh, seen some good games today, actually. Yeah, we're going to talk about those. But I think where we should possibly start is the game against Swindon. Now, Ray, very interesting selection and of course this was dictated uh, by injury and by covid let's just go through these names uh ray so we had zachary stefan ingo mm. kyle walker ruben diaz nathan ake and cancello at the back that was a very strong uh back five de bruna rodri gundogan and then up front cole palmer bernardo and Gabby Jesus, right? That was an unbelievably strong team for what you had been told was going to be a scratch eleven. Well, I mean, it, it, it always depends who you listen to uh, in these cases. Um, we were told there were plenty of uh, was it seven first teamers out, seven with yeah, COVID and uh, twelve staff members. Oh, there was a lot of people at City out with COVID. Obviously, Pep and uh, some of the coaching staff, but. Um, Several hours before the game, they, um, I got an inkling that there was it was going to be a strong side. I actually tweeted that it will be a strong uh, lineup, and it was a lot stronger than people expected. People, were, you know, I saw people putting their uh, City 11s together, and they had besides Cole Palmer, some of them had McAtee, um, some of them had Mbete. You know, they were trying to work out who was going to play. A lot of it was just, I'll be honest, it was guff, it was rubbish. But there was some credible information. Um, that snuck out several hours before the game, which made it, to me anyway, very obvious that we were going to start with a very strong lineup. And you know, we did obviously start with a very strong lineup. Um, it could have been slightly stronger, but I mean, Laporte was on the bench, but the rest of the bench was, if I'm right, was uh, a, a lot of kids uh, on the bench. So, um, you know, I think basically we put out the, the best strength squad we could, which just so happened that we had a, a really good first eleven. Um, and I, th- I think when, you know, actually it's, it's interesting that the Swindon players and fans were really glad that we put out a strong side because they wanted to see the best City uh, side possible um, playing at their place. So, you know, as I said, I was expecting a strong uh, starting eleven, and that's what we got. Well, let's take a look, uh, Bernard, at these substitutes. Obviously, you had Laporte on the bench, Scotty Carson. The next one is something that I can clear up for everybody. Um, a lot of people have been asking me, who is Chagas? Who is Chagas? That's actually Keiki, the Brazilian superstar who apparently is the next 
um, the next big thing. Uh, so, yeah, that's Keiki. Then we have another a guy that I don't know too much about, but sounds like a, a name that uh, Rowan Atkinson would enjoy pronouncing, Oscar Bob, Oscar Bob. <laughs> and then we've got um, Egan Riley, Mbete, Kieran Slicker. I've no idea who that is, guys. You're going to have to... He's a goalkeeper, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Right, right. You're going to have to beat me with a stick, guys. I don't know who that one is. Uh, James McAtee, of course, and Romeo Lavia. So um, it, it was a strong lineup. It was a a, a very interesting experimental uh, bench, Bernard. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm reading between the lines and looking at being the Hugh Cool Poirot that I am. Obviously, <laughs> the seventh first team was out, and obviously, folded Edison, Stones, Furness, Sterling. Grealish and Zinchenko, so I assume those seven guys are the ones who are out with COVID, but I mean, obviously um, I, f- I find that a bit hard to believe, but it must be correct, because obviously that's the seven names that are not not featured, obviously in that squad, but uh, yeah, and yeah, like Ray was saying there, I mean early, early doors, uh, I think I had, you, you might try Wilson Esbrand, but then obviously someone said well, Walker's not had many minutes, so I thought yeah, he's going to play Walker, because so to me, as, as as Ray was saying there, it, it was obvious he was going to play a strong team, but obviously have very little on the bench, and hopefully we could get a decent lead, and that would allow him obviously to bring uh, some of the young lads on the bench, and that that was the aim of, the, of that team. Well, um, Colin, these uh, games are notorious uh, banana skins, and I think that I would be correct in saying that the whole of British media were hoping, hoping that City would slip up on this one. They, um, Swindon have uh, a little bit of a, um, a dynamite forward in a guy called Harry McCurdy. He's been scoring um, a few goals for them uh, recently. But um, how did you think that we started off in this particular game? Uh, I, I think we were, I, I thought we were a, a little bit, well, I say a little bit cautious. That sounds a bit critical. I, I, I think we kind of felt our way a little bit. But, but, you know, obviously we were much better than them. And uh, I, I don't think we were absolutely, you know, when we saw, we've seen games recently, haven't we? We've gone out and destroyed the opposition in the, in the first half. And we didn't really, you know, we, we've set about them with a vengeance. I, I don't think we really did, did it did that this time but but that's just my opinion but we were we were efficient we played well within ourselves and of course the um the goals came mm-hmm. and let's uh let's go to ray the the press made much of it um half a billion pounds worth of talent swatting aside a spirited swindon town team said uh, the guardian uh who were 72 places uh below us um what did you think about that first half ray um yeah, I think we were a little bit at times um, lackadaisical, sloppy, or not. We didn't. I don't think we give Swindon the respect that they deserved. There's, I think a few too many, you know, uh, flicks and tricks. Uh, but we did, like Colin said, we had control. We had control um, of the game, and um, look, Swindon made some some mistakes to help us uh, along the way and get a couple of goals in the first half. We could have been out of sight in that. First few minutes, I think uh, Bernardo Silva, he could have had a hat-trick in about 18 minutes. He should have had a hat-trick. Um, he had the opportunities to score uh, and he didn't take them. He, he scored one, but he missed a couple of uh, equally presentable opportunities. We had other chances. So it's what you'd expect. I mean, as as actually I, it was on ITV, normally we get City games on BT or Sky. 
and, and, and the BBC. And they don't really give us credit, but the ITV, they were, I think, gushing in their praise at the start, uh, talking about City being the best side in the world. Um, so, I mean, they wanted to obviously show the gap between Swindon and City, but at least they weren't just focusing on the money. And they were, they were saying City are possibly the best side in the world right now, uh, which is nice to hear. You don't often hear that on um, on the on the television. Um, so yeah, uh, we know. Look, Swindon are miles away from us in in, in the divisions. Uh, you know, in the hierarchy of football these days. Uh, and you'd expect City to, to dominate and control, score plenty of goals, and you know it's it pretty much happened. Yeah, let's go over yeah. to Bernard. Bernard, um, I think they are the definition of plucky opposition. They 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 tried to do things that you shouldn't do against this team, like um, play out from the back. And uh, we obviously were two nil up at halftime. How did you? What did you think? What did you make of Swindon? Yeah, I mean, I think they had a couple of key players. They had a good midfielder missing as well, didn't they? And, and the keeper was the, I believe, the second-choice keeper. He's not the yeah. main keeper. He, he played quite well, but obviously he, he did a good save and then, then made an error. You know, he's one of, one of those keepers that looks OK. But uh, obviously this playing out from the back is probably done with the main keeper. So that's probably explained why uh, a few times he, he looked a bit hesitant. I think they're far better than that. Uh, and as I say, I think they had a key midfielder missing and that lad, lad up front was OK. But yeah, they play good football, but apparently they play the best football in the division. They get the good crowds, uh, good crowds for that division. They're entertaining. Uh, they're in with a very good chance of uh, getting that runners-up spot if they carry on regard. I think Forest Green are, are well clear at the moment in the second division. But uh, if they carry on, they certainly get the playoffs, that's no problem, but... Hopefully, if they carry on as they are doing, they, they can keep in that, that uh, sort of uh, second spot promotion, automatic promotion spot. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't surprised. And I think I think we did, they sort of didn't really worry us, did they, in that first half? They had one flashed across the goal that someone nearly got a head on. And then Stefan tried to give him a goal by passing out to him. And the guy <laughs> perhaps could have done a little bit better with his chip. So, even though we went in at 2-0 at half-time, they, they, they could have had a goal. They could have had at least one goal. But uh, we, we never looked really threatened by him at any real stage. Certainly not in that first half. Well, uh, guys, it, 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 they're a very interesting um, outfit. Um, relegated to the fourth tier last season, apparently. And uh, their head coach, Ben Garner, was more worried about uh, Tuesday's uh, visit to Mansfield. A quote from him here, he says, the league is our bread and butter and we will push on with optimism for the rest of the season. It was a fantastic night for the club. It was about our supporters who have been through a tough time. Now, uh, Bernard, for people around the world, including me, we don't actually know where Swindon is. Where is it? <laughs> Wiltshire, Swindon, Wiltshire. You're, you're going to have to you're going to have to defi- define that as well. Thirty miles outside of London, I think. Is it forty miles outside of London 70. to the? It's a bit more to the north to the northwest of London, bit bit further up. No, We've got no, plenty no, of powder no, powder. No, 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 I've worked in Swindon. I know exactly where it is. Yeah. So it's um, it's about forty miles west of Reading on the M4. So it's between Reading and Bristol, oh. basically. It's just southeast of the Cotswolds. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what the Cotswolds are. Seventy miles <laughs> west of London, along that, the M4. I, yeah, don't blame me for your ignorance, Ray. I've been I've been around there, Cheltenham and stuff. Um, 
no, 70, I'll, I'll tell you, my, my little bit, 70 miles west of London, down the M4. I used to go there. It used to take us about an hour to drive when I lived in uh, Uxbridge, West London. So we used to drive down there. So there used to be MacArthur Glen shopping village there, which was okay. They've got a, a peculiar roundabout that people are aware of. Um, you know, it's it's a, a good industrial town. Not, I'm not sure it's somewhere that I would like to live, but, uh, you know, maybe that says more about me than Swindon. Let's not forget, Mike, this is one of the best comedies ever. The Office was also start. It was from Swindon as well. So there you go. There's, there's actually, the best thing. Actually, did they did they not pick that town uh, for that uh, TV series because it was the most nondescript uh, <laughs> yeah. place that you would not want to live? Let me ask Colin Savage. Colin, have you ever in your life watched a football game in Swindon? Uh, no. And, I've been yeah. to Red. Uh-huh. I've been to Bristol in the past. Where else have I been in that area? Can't think, but uh, no, I've never watched a game in Swindon. What about I've you, Ray? Say, well, well, I say that I might have watched a game on the telly when I was working there one evening, you know, something like that. <laughs> the hotel, so so I, I lied, maybe. I, I don't think I've watched a game. I've just got to correct you, Mike. Uh, the office was set in Slough, not Swindon. Oh, Slough, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry yeah, about that. that. Well, Swindon, yeah, yeah. but it was Swindon sorry? was the other office, wasn't it? That they, yeah. Bernard, in all your time, have you <laughs> ever been to Swindon or passed it no. or through it? No, I was a bit gutted. I did get offered a ticket, but uh, obviously looking at my bank balance after Christmas and the fact I couldn't change a work shift at the last minute, so uh, I would have gladly gone if I hadn't had to get up at two o'clock in the morning, unfortunately. So, no, I, I must admit, I'll have to, hopefully we'll get another chance one day. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. So let's go to Ray because um, we did have two goals. We had yeah. uh, Bernardo Silva on 14th minute and uh, Gabriel Jesus on the 28th. Can you talk us through one or two of those? I'll talk you through the, the first one, which is a, uh, a cracking goal uh, scored by someone we, I'm sure we'll be talking about later on uh, in the pod. Uh, it was set up by Cole Palmer, scored by Bernardo Silva. Cole Palmer excellent on the night uh, he, he scored a wonderful goal uh, later on in the second half but the move um, to beat the players uh, he had two players near him wide on the right so he's playing on the right and he took the ball on his left foot as, as if he was going to um, cut back and then maybe pass the ball off and as the defenders moved away he switched uh, and went on the outside and got into the box it was a nice move um, I'm not sure he could do this, the same move against uh, more better quality opposition, but what he did next, he can do against any opposition. He looked up, he saw Bernardo Silva. Bernardo Silva made it, he was playing the false down. He made a great move. He looked like he was going to go in front of the defender and then move back behind him in the six yard box. And Cole Palmer had looked up, seen this, and he played the ball between the defender and the keeper. And Bernardo Silva, even Bernardo Silva couldn't miss. I mean, we've seen him miss some, some shockers. Uh, but he couldn't miss, and he slammed the ball home. It was it was a great piece of skill from uh, Cole Palmer, who really didn't look out of place. He he looked he looked the business. He looked like he deserved to be there, and and he did. Uh, it was a cracking piece of skill, a uh, good uh, ball to Bernardo Silva, and uh, an easy finish. Yeah, uh, Colin, um, very nice swivel of the hips there. Um, I I, what did you think of um, Cole Palmer? And um, did you see his? Um... 
his post-match interview where he looked very assured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. Um, uh, a few people say it's great that the club actually felt that they could put him up for an interview. And and, and he came over as very authentic, didn't he? For authentic, well, Mancunian. Uh, yeah. Uh, with the sure lad, isn't he? And, uh, of course, he, he he's now uh, coined a phrase that um, has got passed into <laughs> myth and legend. Uh, Prem come soon, or so, Prem soon come, was it? Prem yeah. soon come. Prem soon come, yeah. Prem soon come, yeah. I thought that was a, a new kid we'd got from South Korea. I thought we got a new player. But... <laughs> well, that that Wizard Show is a place very close to my uh, heart because um, uh, just after I uh, graduated, um, I moved there to live with my friend uh, John McCarran, um, and we were saving up money to take this trip to Mexico. That's where when I first discovered Prince Nassim Hamed, and. Um, <laughs> I got I got very excited about uh, that guy for a few years. Um, I also got robbed uh, one night of uh, like I think ten ten pounds. I think I had in my pocket. Um, but an exciting time, and he's a Withenshaw lad, uh, isn't he, Bernard? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I used to be. I used to go to. I, I used to live in Withington, as you know, and uh, I used to go to Withenshaw every Saturday, Saturday, and spend the night with my brother who lived in. Woodhouse Park, so I used to cycle from Withington to Withinshore, and uh, so uh, yeah, it's it's okay. It's like you know, you, you hang around the daylight hours. You, you're quite, it's quite reasonable. I'm sure, I'm sure it's okay at the moment. You know, I'm not. I'm actually living in Altrincham now, so we're not that far away from Withinshore, even even in Altrincham. You know, but uh, yeah, he's a he's a good lad, isn't he? And obviously. Uh, there's some. I think do, do every is his family United fans. I know. I know Macatees well, are aren't they, from Salford. No, no. But, um, Cole Palmer was Cole right. Palmer was a boy. All right. So it's Macatee, isn't it? They got the United family. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from Salford. So that's all good because I say there's always a lot of always a lot of uh, blues from Withinshore anyway. So, uh, but there's obviously a big a big red contingent. So that was that was always a worry. But he's a good lad. He's got common sense, obviously. <laughs> Ray, what did you think of the uh, the post match interview? And uh, my next question from a follower of BFTB: Do you think that he's got something similar to Phil Foden, or not quite as strong? He's, he's, he's a different player. Look, his he, his post match interview. Um, I th- I think you know he he came across reasonably well. He was pretty calm. He, you know, obviously the um, the players uh, the, the kids coming through. They go through some media training, um, so they don't say anything really daft. So I, I think he, he came across uh, really well. Uh, he's only na- he's only 19 years old. Can he make it? Of course he can. He's 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 got fantastic skill. Uh, I, I think we might talk about some of the other kids that are coming through um, that are on the bench. They've got fantastic. He's got really. You can't compare him to Phil. You know, Phil's different. Phil's and right now Phil's what 21 years old, so he's two years older. So you you can't say oh he's not as good as Phil because Phil's got that two extra years of experience under his belt. Give I think when you you know when when Cole Palmer gets to twenty one, you'll talk you were talking at a different level about this kid. So I think it's wrong to compare compare the two. I'm not sure we are, but I don't think you can compare them. I mean, uh, but Cole Palmer, from what I've seen, and we'll talk about his his goal in the second half. From what I've seen, the kid is incredible. He's got he's got an, an eye for the goal. He knows, um, you know, and he can, um, as he did in, in the goal. I've seen so many goals with his wonderful left foot, where he he he, he manages to find 
a space beyond a keeper where you think there's no space available. So he's got so much of, uh, going for him at the moment. Uh, the, the club think highly of him. Um, and yeah, I, I personally, I, he's going to stick around. He's same as Phil. He's a City fan. And I think that makes a huge difference when we talk about kids. We've seen other kids who leave, people like uh, Rabi Matondo. You might not have heard of him. I think he went to Schalke for about four or five million quid. Uh, he was a decent player, but he wasn't a City fan. If you're a City fan, you'll stick it out as long as you can to see if you can make it. And you won't be swayed by the fact that you're not getting many, much game time. And I think Mac, sorry, um, Cole Palmer is another one. He's going to stick it, stick around. He wants to make it at his boyhood club. Uh, and I think he will. Well, Colin Savage, it was, it was interesting because we had... Um, one of our uh, favourite uh, followers and supporters, Mark Goldbridge up there in Nottingham, who was <laughs> salivating over Cole Palmer and um, and the others and saying that these uh, city youngsters, they come off a conveyor belt and he just wishes that it was the same at United. Um, he actually, he's got a point there, doesn't he? Well, well it's interesting, isn't it? Because we used to get criticised so much, didn't we? Spending all this money on players when we've got an academy. Uh, and now, you know, we've seen Foden come through, Cole Palmer. We've got other players on the verge of um, coming through, hopefully. And um, but, 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 of course, we'll never match United because, I mean, how many of the world's greatest players have they turned out <laughs> of their academy? I mean, there's, there's kind of the new Messi, uh, Adnan Yanazai, um, you know, uh, They've just created this conveyor belt for clubs like Sunderland, haven't they? And uh, and, and anywhere <laughs> anywhere else, Steve Bruce goes. Um, but yeah, it, it's it, the academy. It, it serves two purposes really. And I was lucky enough to have a good chat to um, Jason Wilcox um, in the summer. Uh, and you know, he's quite clear that these players will come through into the first team, but not all of them, of course, because you know this huge competition for places. So you've got to be really, really good. Uh, and, and they've got to be carefully managed. And I think one of the things that separates the, the, the clubs who've really done well with youngsters, uh, and I'm thinking like Arsenal, Southampton in the past, uh, you know, is how you get those youngsters through in the first team. It's all right developing them when they're, you know, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16. When they get to 18, 19, they've got, they've got to make the jump into the first team. And that is the hardest thing to do. Uh, and that seems to be what we've managed to do now, certainly under Pep. You know, the academy is, is almost a, the whole club system is about a unified system from like the under eights through to the first team. And um, that, that's what we're doing now. We're, we're bringing players through and, uh, you know, the academy is starting to prove its worth. But it also, as Ray mentioned, it's also a source of income, good source of revenue. Because, you know, you sell players for five million, for, for 10 million, which is nothing these days. Uh, you know, you sell four or five of those and it's a good good profit for you and it funds the purchases of other players exactly and um man city finances are something that uh, you would expect uh, colin to get into in the second half of this pod and i promise you he will do but uh, let's go over to uh, bernard now credit to swindon uh, ben garner their manager said that they were not going to resort to dirty or direct uh, tactics they have a decent goalkeeper his name is uh, lewis ward and i actually uh, on the last board, I think I mentioned to uh, Ray about what's going to happen when um, Maris, who's our penalty taker, um, leaves and who, who have we got to step up. And we had um, Gabriel Jesus step up and he fluffed it. 
Bernard? Yeah, you're not going to talk about the second goal. Yeah, we're going to get we're we're, 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 we're going to get on to that. We're just going to go to this direction first, just because. All right, okay, well, we're quirky, quirky. I like it. Yeah, I like it. yeah. <laughs> we're going to quirk it. The thing is, the thing is, guys, with with I just I thought, and some people said he shouldn't ever play for us again and stuff like this. I thought he was having a cracking game, Jesus, last night. I thought he was playing very, very well. But someone has to just stop him, stop him getting hold of this ball because he's he's absolutely useless. Don't let him take another penalty as long as he's at Manchester City. We had uh, KDB was on the pitch, uh, Gundogan was on the pitch. I know he got fouled, I know he won the penalty, but at the end of the day, we you know we've got guys who just say no. You're not having it, Jesus. You're not. You're not taking this penalty. It was an awful penalty, and it's not the first awful penalty he's taken. I just wish someone in the city side would have just said to him, no, you're not taking it. And I hope, I hope, unless it's the 10th or 11th penalty in a penalty shootout in a competition, that he never, ever takes another penalty for City because it, <laughs> it, it was terrible, absolutely terrible. Well, guys, I, I did that for a reason. I, Bernard was a bit confused. I did that for a reason because what I wanted to do was um, um, give Gabby some sort of... Um, what can you say? Redemption. I know the the incidents were the other way around, but he did score for us, Ray, on the twenty eighth minute. Gabriel Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it was a um, mistake from from Swindon passing the ball around at the back, trying to get it out. I mean, you give them credit for that, but City were waiting to pounce. City, what they tend to do, they let you have the first pass. So uh, you could see. I th- I'm not sure the, the goalie wanted to do it, but he ended up doing a short. Goal kick to to the to the, the defender. City was standing off a little bit. As soon as the defender gets the ball, he gives it back to the keeper, and they're on him. And the keeper, in my opinion, messed up. He should have just blasted it forward, leathered it clear. But he he delayed it, and then he passed it to a defender on the edge of the box, who instead of doing a normal pass to uh, the guy wide on the right, I think he tried to uh, drag it back or flick it sideways away from the City player, which he did, but he hit it too, too far and went to Gabriel Jesus, who nicked it away from uh, another Swindon defender. So it's basically a mess. Um, uh, and Gabby nicked it away. It, w- it went to KDB. He, I think he passed it first time back to Gabriel Jesus as he uh, sped into the penalty box. I think he took a couple of touches and he finished it very well, very composed. Goalkeeper had no chance. He slotted it past him. It was a really, really good finish, but you know, Swindon, you could see the manager on the side. They were, they were kick, they must have been kicking themselves because that was a self-inflicted goal. You know, City were, were creating plenty of chances on their own from our wonderful play. And there was no, there was no need for Swindon to, to, to offer us <coughs> this, this, uh, this freebie, which, it, which is what it was. Let's go over to uh, Colin Savage. Now, Colin, another listener question here who is asking about um, how we could assess... Uh, Gabriel uh, Jesus, because he's been with us for a few years now. And obviously, we remember that time when there was some danger of him replacing Aguero uh, in the team in his first couple of games. And um, uh, this particular listener um, basically quoted up to me Gabby's uh, statistics and asked me if I'd ever heard of the phrase a flat track bully. And I, I am aware of that because... If you guys are cricket fans like I am, it was first applied to Graham Hick, who was a South African uh, Zimbabwean. uh, Zimbabwean player that played for England. 
And he was famous for going up and down the country and whacking hundreds all over the place against, um, I'm not going to say mediocre, but um, possibly not the best uh, bowlers. That's where that phrase was popularised, Colin. But probably it's a good time to assess Gabriel Jesus' uh, contribution to Manchester City over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think um, it's a difficult one because we always said he's no Aguero. He's never going to be an Aguero. And if we're looking at him as a a straight replacement for Aguero, I I think we're we're looking at him wrong. But, you know, he's a supporting player, I think, more than someone who leads the line. But I think he's proved his worth. I mean, if you look back back to his stats, his... um, Probably the two, 2019-20 season was probably his high spot, where he he, he, uh, he got 23 goals in 53 appearances, uh, 14 in 34 in the Premier League. So, uh, you know, that's not to be sniffed at particularly. It was nine last season. Um, it, it, it's a, a 40 and 14 overall. So far, it's only two, uh, five total goals this season, but... Um, he he does a great job. Well, you know, we've seen him play out wide on the white, on the sorry, on the right and on the left, and he does a good job out there. Leading the line, probably less so. It's not his natural position, I don't think. And, and where he plays for Brazil, he plays out wide. And um, yeah, you've got a lot of competition there. You know, you've got players like Sterling, you've got Mares, you've got Foden who can play out there. You've got Bernardo who can play out there. We, we've seen Kevin De Bruyne play out that wide spot. So he's got. He's got competition, but I think, it, you know, it's a squad. It's a bit insulting to refer from to him as a squad player. But, you know, he's one of those players you can bring in and will do a job and will get goals. Ray, he's a weird player, isn't he? Because he's like Brazil's number one and he can't really get a, a first team, a regular first team place for Man City. That's how good we are. Uh, maybe not. Uh, maybe uh, how not so good Brazil. I mean, it, it is what it is. Uh, you know, we've got an array of talent. I mean, look at Cole Palmer, who I think we we, we discussed him. You know, if, if Mares was to leave in the summer or Gabriel Jesus, I don't think people are going to be bothered. If someone offered us 60 million for Gabriel Jesus, I think we'd snap their hands off because we've got, we can see a conveyor belt uh, starting to come through. But he's, a, he's actually a very decent player. I prefer him on the right. This season on the right, I think he's done really, really well. Uh, and I, I think he's been unlucky to have been dropped after contributing so so much. His the one thing I really like about him, and it distinguishes between him and Maris when Maris plays on the right. When Gabriel Jesus gets the ball, he's looking to cross it first time or take a touch and then cross it. He gets that ball in really quickly, so the, whoever's in the box knows what to expect. They know they can make that run, F- fully aware that Gabriel will put the ball in. Whereas Maris. Maris is a bit too selfish. He's twisting and turning. He's looking for the angle for himself. And so, you know, you got your attacker running into the box, running into the six-side area, expecting Maris' cross, and it doesn't happen because Maris is twisting and turning uh, the defenders inside out, looking for his opportunity to shoot and score for himself. But Gabriel is, is much more selfless. He puts a lot of effort in. Um, and it's not obviously it's not just about effort, or you just get someone who can run around a lot. But he, 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 you know, he will get his fair share of goals, not as much as an out-and-out proper striker. But he'll still chip in here and there. I mean, you can't forget the goal against was it Real Madrid uh, at their place a couple of seasons back in the Champions League. So he will get his fair share of goals and plenty of assists. So I think he's a squad player probably, 
but he's a valuable addition to the to the side when he gets a, a chance. Let's go over to Bernard because Bernard, I think that we we possibly got the tweet of the week. It was like one uh, BFTB uh, follower who uh, summarized Gabriel Jesus like this. He said. He's a scrappy little bugger that scores his uh, fair share of goals against uh, lower tier opposition. Uh, is that fair? Um, not really. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know the breakdown of him scoring against you know different teams and stuff like that. I mean, he, he never. You're always going to get hundred percent off Gabby. He's, he's he's a pain in the ass to the opposition, which is you know not in the same way that Bernardo Silva. Bernardo Silva could be a right pain in the to the opposition, even when he's not having a great game. And Jesus is exactly the same for me, but and he can pop in these goals and he he can make a mess of it. But as I say, I don't really know the stats on whether he's he's done it against the big teams. But I mean, does it does he actually get as many games against the big teams? That's the thing. I mean, I, I think he tends to get left out in the in the big crucial games. And he, he's, of course, you're going to stat pad if you're only playing in the you know against so called weaker opposition. But uh, yeah, I I think he gets a bad a bad uh, press. I've seen. I've got I literally got a message on here now with you guys saying that uh, Jesus Jesus needs to go woeful again. You know, I mean, that's just so. As I said, apart from the penalty, I thought he had an excellent game, and he he's just he's just another one of the of the of the lads who gets stick unfairly, in my opinion. He's a player that you wouldn't like to play against, really, isn't he? Because you get poked in the eyeballs by those massive cheekbones. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's a nuisance, an absolute nuisance. Even say, so even when he's not playing well, he's a nuisance. All right, we we perhaps want a little bit more sometimes, but uh, no, I think he's played well this season when he's played. He's had a couple of dodgy games, but I, th- I think you know recently. But I say I was quite impressed. All right, Swindon Town. Let, let's not go mad about it, but uh, I think he was more up for it last night again. All right, lads. Well, it was um, two 0 at uh, halftime, and uh, it stayed that way until the 59th minute. And then, um, Colin, someone who's gone off our radar a little bit because he had such a stellar um, season um, last time and the one before, Ilkay Gundogan. Now, what do you think about this guy? Well, he's a class player, isn't he? I mean, without doing anything spectacular, he's just always in the right place at the right time. He, He controls the the pace of the game, the rhythm of the game, he's got the right pass in him. And, and of course, as we know, he always pops up um, in front of goal when needed. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ray, do you remember the time when we first bought Gunduan and I think we got him for 20 million? I think it was yep. possibly Pep's first signing. And, Pep's uh, signing, yeah. And we were told that he had a broken back and we were thinking, what the <laughs> hell is going on here? No. Do you remember he was that? When he, look, he was injured when he came to City, but uh, I remember doing videos uh, uh, at the time and I said, you know, Pep must have such a high regard for him that he'd get him as the first signing whilst he was injured. And people, you're right, people worried about his injury record. Well, he'd had two bad injuries in the previous, say, three seasons. I think unrelated. So, you know, I, I, I wasn't as, I don't think I was as concerned. Yeah, you can obviously concern a little bit, but they're two totally different injuries. And if someone clatters you and you get hurt, how much of your fault is that? Um, so it was one of those you had, you had to wait to see what he could uh, do. Uh, I remember a couple of years, about a couple of years ago, there was uh, rumours that um, Barcelona wanted him. I tell you what, I bet, I bet he's glad he didn't go there. Uh, that right shower at the at the moment. And <laughs> look at what he's how he's flowered in the last couple of years at City. You know, and how we've more and more people are now 
appreciating what he can do and what he actually has been doing for the last few seasons. People can actually see it now. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, we're playing that kind of football that it's an education we're learning. You know, like the same way people didn't think Rodri did anything. Uh, a lot of fans said, well, Rodri, it's, he's not good enough. He doesn't do anything in games and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and now they can actually see what he's doing and they think, wow, he's, you know, he's, he's a, a, a crucial component to success of, of City going forwards. Bernard, um, I've, been, I've been recently reading this um, um, biography of Glenn Hoddle and, and one of the best uh, parts of it was when the writer took an American friend uh, to Tottenham to watch um, the game and to watch Hoddle play and he didn't score and he didn't um, do anything amazing and um, uh, in, in, the, in the biography the writer said you have to have a trained eye to see uh, what he does. Um, he's not, he doesn't always dominate games, but um, I think the same analogy could be applied to Gundogan because he's not always uh, the big man. He, he doesn't always uh, win games on his own, but my goodness, he's devastatingly effective when he wants to be, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone for that. I mean, it's amazing. It's Sometimes, you know, if you've got all the time in the world, you should go back and watch games and just concentrate on one one player, which obviously some people do that because they, they do the stats and stuff, don't they? But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm guilty of that with Gundogan. And I, I did notice, I did, I sort of, with Gundogan and Rodri this season, I've been trying to watch them a little bit more because, as I say, I've not given full credit. Uh, the last couple of years, so I have been trying to watch him. I, I was quite—I was doing that with Gundogan last uh, yesterday, last night, watching watching the game. I've only watched it the one time when it was live, but uh, yeah, he does that. He's a calming influence. He, he does things behind the lines, you know, and keeps things moving along. Uh, and you'll probably talk about the free kick in a minute. But he's got the ability. He's got the cleverness. He's got—he's—he's he's got the nous to do things. Yes, he can be infuriating sometimes, and I—I I still get a bit bit miffed with him, but I do appreciate him a hell of a lot more than I certainly did 12 months ago, and that's because I, I sort of just keep a special lookout now. Same way with Rodri, you know, where I, I never really rated him, and now all of a sudden, I've, you know, he, he's come through, and you do notice what he what he has been doing, perhaps you've not noticed before. And Gundogan's a similar thing. He, he goes, he flies under the rain, radar and keeps things moving along, just just behind the lines, the front line, and in front, you know, uh, just behind the front line and in front of the back line. So he, he's he's just a great player for that. He's he's a great player to have in the team. Yeah, Colin Savage, I, I I remember getting one of the worst clips around the ear by my dad when I, I said to him that Lothar Mateus was a bang average player. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and he said, you've got to start looking at the game a whole different way. It's a little bit like that with Gundogan, isn't it? But that's what I said when you when you asked me. You know, he doesn't do anything spectacular. He's not making 40-yard runs beating six men. You know, he's not. Um, well, I'm going to say he's not screaming for you know he's not scoring 40 yard screamers, but you know technically he's so good, and that free kick just showed how good he is. I mean, I, I, I was watching that and thinking, uh, looking at Gundogan going to take it, looking where the wall was, and I'm thinking he's going to that's going to be like an out swinger. How the hell does he expect to do anything with that? Because normally you'd expect to see it swing the other side of the wall towards the goal, not away from it, then curl in. Because you assume the, the keeper's got it covered, going to have it covered. But my goodness me, that was a free kick and a half, wasn't it? And of course, you know, we've seen him done it before, if you remember. Of course, Brighton um, in 2019, of course, and, and others. 
Yeah, Ray, you could almost see him when when he was lining up for that um, that free kick. You could almost see him pol- polishing one side of of the cricket <laughs> of the cricket ball down, down his pants. It was like um, it was totally unexpected. it was totally unexpected. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, uh, let, let's uh, think about the you know the the wall, the setup. Yes, they probably didn't cover the goal enough. Um, you knew that there was an opportunity to bend it around, but. I don't think the the goalie covered himself in any glory in the way he sets it up. But Gundogan did what he had to do. You know, there, there was that little window of opportunity to to bend it around the wall, which he did. He hit the post and went in. So he got it right on the button, right on the money. Um, and it was a good good free kick. And you know, sometimes you say you can only beat what's in front of you. If, you know, and if the opposition make a mistake with the setting up of the wall and they give you that little uh, opportunity, you've got to take it. Uh, and that's what he did. So, no, I think he's, you know, I, 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 when David, I think it was different when David Silva was there because we had Gundogan, David Silva and KDB. And I think, you know, everybody will say KDB and, and David Silva are your first choice pairing. Now David Silva's gone. Uh, you know, for me, if I'm looking at two attacking midfielders, I want, I want Gundogan and Bernardo Silva. I don't want KDB there. Uh, I mean, that's how uh, highly I rate him, uh, uh, the way he's been playing over the last two seasons since David Silva's left. So he's he's really, really stepped up and, uh, you know, made that position his own now. Let's ask Bernard about that. Bernard, did that Tim, produce a slight fluctuation of blood pressure when that went flying in? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I must admit, they had the old draft excluder underneath the wall, behind the wall, didn't they, where they, they lied <laughs> the guy out. And I mean, it was about 30. I, I'm sorry, as a goalkeeper, if you can't, if you can't stop a ball that goes under the wall from that distance, it's, I mean, he could have just stuck him on the left hand side of the wall. It would have been a much better wall. I just can't understand the logic of doing that, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I must admit, you sort of when you when you see it go in, you sort of think, oh yeah, because uh, I didn't really notice before the free kick was taken. It was a, the big gap, but then you look at it, you think that's a badly that was a badly placed wall, and say the the keeper had no chance, as Ray said, it just went in off the post. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was three uh, nil. I, I know I was I was quite comfortable at two nil, but I thought at three nil, I thought oh game game over. I, I could relax, you know, <laughs> playing second division Swindon. I could relax, I sort of relax at three nil. But uh, yeah, it, it, it was just just. Clever, just very clever, and that, that's what you expect off Gundogan. Okay, guys. Well, we've got the um, <laughs> the Twitter questions um, flying fast, and uh, the next one is for Colin Savage. Colin, um, one uh, Twitter follower uh, asks you, what do you think about Rodolfo Burel? Now, he um, was standing in for uh, Pep, and um, they, they're asking you to compare. I don't know if there's any basis for a comparison, but they're saying he's much better than Arteta uh, because um, remember Arsenal fan TV um, troops uh, on Arsenal fan TV was was basically saying that um, Arteta was a guy who puts out uh, cones for Pep, and uh, I don't I, I don't think that's very fair. But uh, it was his first outing, I guess. I think we could say something about him. He obviously looks like a, a lovely fella. Um, do you know anything about this guy, where he came from, or you know anything well, like that? Yeah, he, he came from came to us from Liverpool actually, where he was, where he coached the youth teams, um, and uh, of course uh, he wasn't a standing for Pep; he was a standing for uh, Wadmar Lilo Leo, who was a standing for Pep, uh, because uh, both uh, Leo and um, 
Pep had COVID, of course. So, so I, I, I always smile when I look at him because if you remember the the comedian Jimmy Cricket, yeah, he always there, finds me, there's more, there's more, there's more, and there's more, yeah, and there's more. So I, I, I always, but he, yeah, he just, he just looked, he looks like one of those guys who is just a nice guy, doesn't he? But uh, he knows his stuff, and um, yeah, I mean, he, uh, and of course. When, he said, when we say he's better than Arteta to replace Pep, of course, he's bald. So that makes him instantly um, much more suitable to be a replacement for Pep. Part of the team. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Ray, um, I, 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 the only memory I really have of Rodolfo was when he went apeshit when um, uh, I think Mares scored uh, that goal, uh, the, the last goal of... Um, uh, season before last, um, and um, he's uh, he's. I think he's a bit more prominent than Pep's number two, and um, that he's guy. Been around for a long time. Yeah, so he's, uh, he has been around for a long time. He's he joined it eight years ago, so he he came two years before Pep. I mean, you know, he, some of the bits and pieces about him. He's you know apparently he was he was Messi's first coach at Barca, so he's he's from yeah. Barcelona. He's, he's been through there. He helped um, Fabregas and Iniesta. Uh, I think was he supposed to have discovered Fabregas. I can't remember now. Uh, and he was, uh, as, as Colin said, he was over at Liverpool's academy. Uh, Rafa Benitez brought him to England in 2009. So he's been here a long time working with young kids. So people like Sterling um, at Liverpool. So he's, um, no, I think he's, he's, he's done well, you know. He took it in his stride, uh, that, that game, and he was complimentary uh, to Pep and, you know, and thank, he was thanking Pep for the faith he has in his in in his uh, uh, coaching assistant. So I think he's he's down in, as an assistant manager now, and that's what they call him. Well, they, on, yeah. that's on the City website. He, he was appointed as global technical director originally back in uh, March 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernard, yeah. I, I've got another question flying in um, as we speak um, that um, reminds me that Rodolfo is not, uh, of course, Pep's number two. It's a guy called Juan Malilo. Um, now, I'll go over to Colin um, for the background, but um, uh, do you know anything about this guy or do you think that he's got a big influence on Pep? Is, is he this, the, the guy that will stand up to Pep and and tell him not to do stupid things like he did in the Champions League uh, final? I, think... yeah, I, I prefer to call him Lilo, to be honest with you. That's why I call him. Lilo, Lilo. Yeah, Lilo, Lilo. I must admit, when he first came, I, I just thought he was just a, a sort of yes man and just a nodding man. But obviously, I've read articles since uh, that he is very, very useful to Pep. And Pep, obviously, with Arteta going, Pep has relied on him more and more. And I, I've sort of grown to think, yeah, he's probably a little bit better than I thought. But I, I don't really know uh, the background. I did a bit on the Rodolfo yesterday on for the for my little uh, cast. But, uh, yeah, I don't too, know much too much about Lilo. But as I say, I think I think he's one of these guys that... Uh, we underestimate. I think. I think there's more to him than what what we what we see. I mean, he's only a little bloke, isn't he? What is he? Uh, must he must be about five, five, six, five, four, five, six. I'm not too sure how big he is, but uh, I did see him walking next to Pep and Rodolfo the other day, and I, I thought he was walking in a hole or something next to him. He was that he looked that small compared to him, but. Uh, yeah, I think he's very influential on Pep. I think he's very important to Pep, and I, I think whether he's a yes man or not, I think I think I think Pep needs that 
that uh, sort of person next to him. Colin Savage, um, was was he actually uh, beside Pep in the Champions League final? One of our supporters asked, and could he possibly have stopped Pep from making that disastrous decision of not playing any central midfielders? Oh, he was there, wasn't he? Because... Um... Mm, yeah. yeah it's at the club last season wasn't it so yes he yeah, was yeah. there i mean yeah i mean let, let's now go back to that champions league final no um, <laughs> no, pep, no no pep you're gonna you're gonna hear me cry guys if we do that don't yeah, do that let's forget it pep came across him in mexico when because pep um saw out his career in mexico the playing career uh, and that's where he came ac- across him um and he's one of those guys funny if you kind of look across at old trafford He's one of those guys that's managed at a low level, ne- never been particularly successful at, at, at that level. He's managed clubs like uh, Almeria and uh, uh, Zara, I can never say it properly, uh, Zaragoza. Are, are you saying that he's a Mexican Ralph Rangnick? Well, I was going to say, you know, but he's never he's never managed a club at elite level, despite having a great reputation as a coach. Then you look across at Old Trafford and you look at Ralph Rangnick, who's, again, never managed really a club at elite level, Schalke maybe. Uh, uh, and really his, his strength is as a backroom boy. You know, there, there are people like that in the world, aren't they, where they're not, they don't want to be the number one, the figurehead. They're the guy behind the throne. And, and, and to me, Ralph Ragnick is the uh, archetypal guy who should be sat uh, doing uh, Juan Mar's job at United rather than being doing Pep's job. So, Ooh. yeah. Well, guys, um, we're going to have to go on to Cole Palmer again. And there's a reason for that. And Ray is going to tell you why. Why? Uh, 82nd was, minute. Was he was he watching Swindon's goal? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, mate. You can't, you can't keep jumping. Can we not do Swindon's goal first? Give them some credit. <laughs> well, take it away for us, Ray. Okay, we, we we lost the ball. I mean, Swindon had Swindon is I think for the way they played the effort and everything else, and because they were plucky, blah blah blah. I think they deserved a goal. They, they had a, a couple of half opportunities, um, and and later on in the in the second half, they did score that that goal that sent their the crowd. Sorry, down. guys, I I missed Harry McCurdy. I missed Harry McCurdy. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Disrespectful. So, disrespectful. Absolutely, absolutely disrespectful, Mike. Uh, you disrespected Swindon uh, so and, I, and, and the, the, the fellow. Anyway, so, yeah, we lost the ball. I think, I can't remember who lost it first, but Rodri did a, a, a very tame attempt at a, a, a pass. Um, there was some people saying, well, because he's on a yellow card, he didn't want to foul the guy. We didn't need to. He just needed to pass it to the right player. So I think there was a flick by Cancelo. That was it. Yeah. This is where the, the flicks and tricks come in, which was a bit silly. And And look, Generally, a city you get away with it, but when you don't get away with it, uh, it looks really poor. So it's Cancelo did this flick. Rodri didn't get the uh, the pass right, um, and um, they were well into our half. Uh, and uh, Cancelo didn't come back. Uh, ball was played out on the wide on the right, um, and um, yeah, the, the fellow with the long hair came through from Swindon, um, and Stefan didn't cover himself with any glory because he didn't cover that near post. I mean, I'm sure. Uh, Bernard would say he should have covered the near post being an ex-keeper he should have done that and uh, made the um, attacker shoot across him you know it was hit hard but I, ju- I just think um, Zach Stefan was pretty weak uh, and poor um, in, in that and uh, 
Swindon got a goal that they've, I think, they deserved. Guys, I'm very, very sorry to to skip that, but um, possibly the reason I did, Bernard, um, you're going to have to help me with my memory. Who was the the big tall fella with the long hair that transferred from um, Newcastle to Liverpool for a whole bunch of money? Andy Carroll. Uh, Andy Carroll. That's who I thought this was. Um, but um, <laughs> apparently not. Um, what did you reckon, Bernard? What, to this, uh, this uh, Swindon guy? Yeah, you know, the guy yeah, who, look, who looks like he should be playing guitar for an indie band. Like Andy Carroll. I mean, Andy, Andy Carroll looks as though he could have ate, he could have ate this Swindon <laughs> guy. There's nothing on him, the poor, poor lad, you know. But uh, he scored four last week against Northampton, who aren't, no, you know, quite a good team in, in the second division. So he's... Uh, he was, I thought it was great. I thought it was great for him to score. I mean, it set my old palpitations going again at uh, 3-1, to be honest with you. You know me, glass half full and all that. I thought, because I think they had a free kick immediately after. I was thinking, 3-2, we're in trouble here, lads. <laughs> this, this is me on my own. This is what happens when I'm on my own. I, I get all panicky. But uh, no, he took it well. But as Ray said there, uh, Stefan... Uh, I've quite liked his performances recently when he's played, but uh, he was pretty poor last night. And he was saying he nearly gave that goal away in the first half. And, and his cover, as Ray said, of that near post, it, it wasn't very good. But all credit to the to the lad up to, to the lad. He stuck it away nicely. Colin, it was the it was the um, the perfect storyline where City win heavily as expected, but you have the local hero at least that you can you can get behind, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I love it when you see, um, you know, the underdogs, even though they're beaten, when, when they score, it gives the fans something to cheer, doesn't it? Um, you know, you, you look at the the Chesterfield fans at um, Chelsea and the Swindon fans. Of course, three one with what? What was it? Seventy eight minutes or something? It meant something, didn't it? Now, you know, there was always a chance they were going to get back in. It didn't, of course, but but it, it just gives them something to cheer, doesn't it? They, they've seen their team score against Manchester City. Oh, I've got a doozy question just come in, so we're going to have to give it to Ray. Uh, Ray, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know if you can answer this or not, but this question says, what is Zach Steffen's career tra- trajectory going into the future? <laughs> I oh, I've, I've said he's not going to be a first-choice key city. I thought he would put more pressure on Edison. I like the idea uh, that he, uh, you know, he's a, look, he's an international keeper for... Uh, the USA. He um, had a good time over in um, Germany with Fortuna Dusseldorf. I think yeah, it was. Yeah, um, yeah. And I then he got injured. I thought I thought his trajectory was going to be pretty good going forward. But the thing is, Edison's not going to go anywhere soon. Zach Steffen is twenty six years old. Um, I, I don't see Edison. I think Edison's twenty eight. I don't see Edison moving on. Uh, I don't see Edison not being good enough uh, for the you know for the next three or four seasons. I, so I, I I don't see any long term high level future for Zach Steffen at City. Does he want to be a number two um, all the time? Is that going to eventually affect his um, career with the United States? And if that if it does, then I think he'll move on. Um, I think he's probably too good to be a number two. Um, so he's you know I think. Give it, give City one more season, two more seasons. Um, and as I said, if it does I- I impact upon his uh, pr- uh, international career, then I think he'll move on very quickly. 
<laughs> I've got this fantastic question uh, coming through to ask all of the lads. I was going to start with Bernard, and they said, um, sorry, let, just uh, let me take a look at this again. Okay, uh, Bernard, if you had to put a tenner on when Scott, Scott Carson will get a start for Man City, when when would you, where would you place it? Um, how will that ever happen? Well, I'm, I'm banking on the next Champions League, finally. <laughs> probably, probably stick him in there. He's bound to do something like that, isn't he? But uh, no, it's... Uh, uh, not really, no. Not unless uh, someone gets an injury. I can't, I can't foresee it. But if Edison's got COVID, you never know. Uh, we might, he might be in goal against Chelsea, so I won't speak too soon, guys. Uh, Colin Savage, same question. Will that ever, ever happen? Well, in the cup games, maybe. If Edison's injured, I, you know, I just don't know. He's a good keeper, though, isn't he, though? He's not, no, he's not a bad keeper, but you're competing with uh, Edison. I mean, keepers rarely get injured. I suppose, but uh, you know we've seen Henderson injured a few times. He stepped in. He's done a good job. Mm. You know, yeah, you know, you can't have three keepers who are all world class superstars, can you? Ray, do you remember the time when Scott Carson was young and good? <laughs> good looking, full, full, full set of teeth. He was a good keeper. He was England keeper, so you can't can't rubbish him. But he's what he's what he's now thirty nine or thirty seven or something like that. He's he's knocking on a little bit now. Um, to your original question, when will he play? I think the only time he plays is, let's say, in the next round of the FA Cup. If Zach Stefan has COVID, mm-hmm. then Scott Carson gets his chance. I mean, he's what? I'm going to check how old he is. Wow. Uh, he's, he's 36. 36. He's, a, he's the same age as you and me, Ray. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> well, guys, um, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Um but I think we should probably uh, move on. At the end, it was Man City for Swindon one, and um, we we no, progressed. We're not talk about Gold Palmer's goal then. Oh, you know you're <laughs> killing you're killing me you're killing me Bernard. Um, let's let 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 let's talk about it. At least it. I let's... give him a chance, Bernard. At least I give him a chance to remember and come back to it. Do you know what, guys? <laughs> you know what, guys? This is this is why I recruited them to. Um, <laughs> To be hosts because I think I'm I'm losing it. Let's talk about Cole Palmer. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about it. and Ray. You raised it, so let's talk about it. Cole Palmer scored fantastic. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's elaborate a little bit. Okay, let's go on. Okay, Cole Palmer. He got the ball on the right of the box. He, I, th- I think personally, he should have crossed it to another substitute, James McAtee, who, uh, with a, if he'd done as equally as a good pass for the first goal to. <laughs> I, don't, I think McAtee had a tap in, but I think uh, playing on the right, Cole Palmer has got a little, he's just got a little bit of that Riyad Mahrez in him, that selfishness, <laughs> a little bit. He was self, selfless early on, but late on in the game. Uh, that, that's, you know, when not be, that's not going to be good for his career on BFTB, if that's true, Ray. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, if I think he knew he's probably going to come off uh, soon, so... He he wanted to do something, and he, he he looked for the chance for himself. He had two defenders on him, and it, there wasn't really much he could do. He, he laid it off to Bernardo, who uh, who's already in the box. He um, went past the first guy, cut inside, and had a shot which was blocked, and the ball squirmed back to Cole Palmer. And you thought, all right, he's going to just knock it in because he's at um, an angle that he can't do anything else unless he, he can either cross it 
or look for an, uh, an opportunity to, to take somebody on and cut back inside because there's nothing you can do from that angle. And he just moved his body around it, opened it up, and he hit that peach of a shot, absolute stunner with the side of his foot, opened his body and into the corner. I think the goalkeeper just got a fingertip to it. But there was no way. There's no way Cole Palmer should have been shooting from there. No way. And there's no way it should have been right in the corner. And there's no way it should have been a goal. But it was. And if you go back and look at Cole Palmer, uh, at some of the games he played for the EDS, so that's the under-23 side, you'll see some of the goals he scored. They were like that. You know, absolutely load of stunning goals. He's got such touch, such finesse. You know, he can uh, curl them in. He can... He places them so well. He can chip keepers with no space uh, seemingly to chip them. And it was an incredible finish. And it has to be in any anybody's list for, for goal of um, th- this round of the tournament because it was a stunning finish. Let's go over to Bernard. Um, oh, should I read out the next um, comments? Okay. Um, Colin, tell Mike he's fired. Uh, that's, that's the first one. Uh, the second one, um, uh, Bernard, uh, Cole Palmer does this every week for the under-23s. Why are you surprised? I'm not surprised. It doesn't surprise me. Who said I was surprised? Uh, I guess we were, like, expressing surprise. Well, uh, anyway, let's talk about uh, this uh, fella. We talked about him before, but he's got a, he's a very short, uh, sure-footed, isn't he? He's, absolutely, he's one of these guys that, I mean... As it, as he, the more he plays, obviously the better he's getting. I mean, I, he does have a tendency to lose the ball, but that's because he's trying things, and and that and that's what we like to see. And I don't mind him trying things in the opposition's uh, box because if we lose it, we've got cover. We've got cover to make up for it. You know, when Rodri and Cancelo mess around on the halfway line and we lose it, there's a possibility that we might have a goal scored against us, but. That is the benefit with the with Mr. Palmer. He, he's he, he's in that that position where he likes to score. So if he does lose it, so what? Because for every, everyone he loses, probably create some. He'll create something for someone else or, or score a spectacular goal. And uh, it, you know we're going to see more and more of him. There's no doubt about that. And he's got he's going to be brought on. And uh, yeah, I've, I'm not surprised at all. But it's, it's just great to see. And and, he, and he's a good lad as well. He looks as always a good. Good lad, got his head on his screwed on his shoulders and everything, and uh, that, that's what we want. And as long as you don't get mixed up with uh, Jack and uh, Phil going out, we'll be we'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit. Have you seen I've... the state of him? I don't think we're going out with Jack and Phil anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit audacious, wasn't it, uh, Colin? Did that surprise you? I mean, Bernard says that he wasn't surprised at all, but it it surprised a lot of people. Yeah, it was a bit surprising. I mean, obviously there was a. There was a gap there. There was no one between him and the goal, but um, didn't expect that. Uh, goalkeeper got a hand to it, but he couldn't. Uh, he, he couldn't uh, stop it creeping inside the far post. So yeah, I mean, because it's not. It's not really like us, is it? You know, a player gets the ball in that sort of position. They put the ball across, you know, into the six-yard yeah. box, or something. So it, it's not really like us to do that. Is it? That, that, I think that was the surprise. But my, didn't he take it well? He did indeed. He did indeed. And so finally, unless. My guys are going to contradict me. I think that, that that's probably the the end of uh, of what we're going to say about that game. But guys, Can no I, need to... I just add one thing. Sorry, Ray. Brief. I'll be very brief. I just want to rattle through the kids on the bench and tell okay. you a little bit about them, just so that people people know. So let's look. We've talked about Cole Palmer plenty. There was you mentioned the uh, the Oscar Bob. 
Oscar Bob is a kid from uh, Norway. Oscar Bob. <laughs> Oscar Bob. Um, he joined us two years ago, two and a half years ago, July 2019. Um, so he's a midfielder, but obviously he didn't get, get on in the game. Um, we mentioned Kieran Slicker, who's a goalkeeper from Oldham, which is near Manchester. So he's another local lad. He's been at City from the under nines. So right, right. Been... What happened to the other one that was the third choice? Which one? Grimmy? Grimshaw? Yeah, Grimshaw. He's you left. Know, he went to... Did he end up in non-league? Um, I, I thought he went to he... Coronation Street with a name like that. Um, <laughs> I don't know where he... I can't, he went to either the, the National League, or the which is below the Division 2, basically, League 2, or a club in League 2. I can't remember where he ended up. Um who else did we have on the bench? We had you mentioned. Did we have Wilson at Esbrand on the he, bench? He was not no. there. I think we had no. Embete. We had Oh yeah, we had. Did we have? Uh, we had. Well, I'll talk Egan about Romeo Lavia. Egan Riley, KK. Yeah, we had Lavia. Egan Riley. I'll talk about Lavia because he's he's a kid from Belgium who came from Anderlecht, which is where Vincent Company's manager at the moment. Uh, so he's been here. Uh, he came here eighteen months ago. Um, so we, we saw him. He he he's played a couple of games now. I think for City. Who else was he? Uh, Egan Riley was he on the bench? Yeah, he's another local um, lad from Manchester. So um, he's been at the club for I think ten years now. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's what I said. You got a lot of local kids coming through. Um, you got all right. We got Mac McAtee, who's uh, I think James McAtee. His family are from Salford, so I think he's. They're United fans, but you've got a lot of local kids coming through who are Manchester City fans who will give that just that little bit more, who are going to stay that little bit longer to make it succeed for them. And I think it's it's a credit to the academy. When you hear stories that, uh, what's his name, Fletcher, uh, Darren Fletcher, was it Darren Fletcher, the United player? Yeah. Who's, his two kids have been at City's academy, I think, for 10 years now. So mm-hmm. we heard so many stories of United players sending their kids to the Man City Academy because it's so good. And the, the you know what they're going to learn there was so much better than what they were going to get at Man United. So, um, And I think that's, that's crucial going forwards. Because in the past, when clubs have been able to, when Liverpool and United, for instance, especially United, United would get... Uh, a lot of the the best local talent they either supported United or they they'd get them because they were United. So when Ryan Giggs was at City at fourteen years old, United all right, you see United fan, but United had that pull and they they they, they took him away. Now I think you, the situation is going to be reversed. So a lot of local kids are going to start more and more a sport in City, and more and more can see the future at City. The best academy possible so they're going to come to city so we're going to get kids who are going to cost us nothing same way united and liverpool in the past had people coming through who cost them either nothing or virtually nothing and they went on to be world superstars and i think we're in the next two or three years we're going to see more and more coming through you know a lot of us have been waiting 10 years for this to happen Uh, and and and, you know I, i said many years ago that I think City's idea is every year one or two kids will come through and make it 
and have a good chance of making it into the first team and staying there. And I think we've seen, obviously, with Phil Forden and we're seeing with Cole Palmer. I don't think he's he's going to be out of place in eighteen months' time as a first time, uh, you know, as a regular starter for the first team, and maybe one or two others coming through. So I think we've got we, we've got that conveyor belt. And as Colin has said, if they don't make it at City, we're going to flog them off for, for decent money. All we need now. All we need now is whoever negotiates sales for the Liverpool youngsters to work for City because they get an absolute ridiculous amount of money when they sell their kids on. Uh, kids that you've never heard of, um, whereas City don't get the, I don't think, get the same value. But that's the only thing that, you know, I, I think stands in the way of, of this academy being incredibly beneficial to Man City financially in the long run. Well, guys, you're, 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 you're peppering me with, with questions that are too fast for me to answer, but there is one that keeps coming up. Um, Maria? Hi, Maria. Um, why doesn't Ray talk about Keiki? Um, I don't know. I, 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 I do agree with your assessment that he could possibly be the next uh, Neymar, as you suggest, but let's, let's ask Ray. Does he know anything about it, well, this guy? Let's be honest, we don't know, you know, too much about KK. I think, obviously, he's a Brazilian kid. He's uh, pretty young. He's 18. He's only 18 at the moment, uh, 18 and a half. Um, he came from, basic side, he came from Fluminense. So, born in Rio de Janeiro, uh, you know, um, he's been, he was there for quite a while. He cost us about 10 million euros. And uh, if, if, you, if I'm right, it's um, with another 15 million Potentially in variables or add-ons. So he came. Um, so he's, he came with another kid called Metinho, who went off to our sister club, uh, Estac Troy in in France. And um, it, it's, it's it's in. What was interesting was that he's actually here and he didn't go out on loan. So that was a, a, li- a little bit. Um, uh, so that was a surprise actually. So he was supposed to join in January this month. But he actually started um, in August, so he joined a, a little bit early. He was gonna—I think he was gonna stay out on loan or something. Uh, but he's—he's—he's he's, he's, he's very young. It was his first game yesterday. He's been on the bench, I think, a couple of times. Um, and it's just gonna—yeah, people can compare him to Neymar. He hasn't played much football at all. I think for Fluminense, he played 29 games. City's played his first one last night. Got to give the kid a little bit of time. Um, so I haven't seen much of the uh, EDS this season to see what he's been up to. Um, but look, if he's already at 18 in um, the first team squad, if he's getting on the pitch, he must have something about him. So it's just, you know, I think we just have to give it some time. Uh, I, I, you can't really say too much about him just yet. You know, we need to see how good is he, how good does he fit into uh, the Pep system, how well does he settle in Manchester? There's a lot of things against young uh, South American talent succeeding in Europe, especially in England. Um, but I think he's, a, you know, and I'm not bi- being biased when I say this, I think he's at the best place to develop him. Um, he's got good people around him. You know, he's got he's got his some countrymen as well. I think that helps to have people like Edison and Fernandinho there. Uh, you've got other, several other Portuguese speakers, um, such as Bernardo Silva and uh, Ruben Diaz. So I think he's in a, a great place to learn and develop, you know, and hopefully over the next six months, we'll see a little bit more of him. Well, Maria, thank you well, for your question. I think that I can speak of uh, speak for all of us here at BFTB. 
Bernard and Ray and Colin that if he doesn't go down screaming like a girl, um, we will be quite we'll be quite impressed. I think the next question is possibly aimed at Colin Savage. Uh, Colin, um, new sponsorship deals. Man City have made a killing. What does that mean? Well, uh, yes, this is an interesting one. I mean, this um, probably set up the suggestion for our piss boiling special, didn't it? Uh, yeah. In the last few days, City have announced two sponsorship deals, uh, which are, uh, of course, Abu Dhabi based. Um, one is the Emirates Palace Hotel, and the other is, um, I forget the name of the company, it's six letters beginning with M, but basically it's a renewable energy sustainability company uh, and which is owned by uh, Mubadala. Uh, Mubadala is of course the investment vehicle of uh, Abu Dhabi and um, the chairman is therefore one uh, Kaldrin al-Mubarak. So uh, Paddy Power did uh, produce what I thought was quite a witty um, tweet which details this deal and um, chairman uh, and it says something like chairman Kaldrin al-Mubarak uh, Mubadala chairman Caldwin Barrack said, I think this is a very good deal. Manchester City chairman Caldwin Barrack agreed with him. Um, <laughs> that, now, we don't know how much these deals are for. I mean, that, uh, I've seen idiots going on, the hundreds of millions. Uh, it won't be hundreds of millions. It'll be relatively small, small beer, to be honest. Um, small potatoes. The, small potatoes, yeah, we don't do uh, non-alcoholic beer in the UAE. Um, so... Um, yeah, I know. If it's three million, four million between the two of them, five million pops, um, then you know I, 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 that's probably about the size of the deal for the two of them. Um, because the Dubai Expo, which is going on at the moment, uh, sponsored our training kit, uh, and apparently that's worth ten million. Mm. Uh, so you know um, the bit on the sleeve is not going to be worth any anywhere close to ten million. We're, we're talking about maybe a couple of million tops. And the Emirates Palace Hotel is an interesting one, actually. I misunderstood it at first, but it's a very big, very plush hotel in, in Abu Dhabi, of course. Cost apparently $3 billion to build. It's owned by the municipal, the municipality, municipal, it's owned by Abu Dhabi, the city of Abu Dhabi. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes perhaps I'll, um, yeah, I'll, I'll try and say that word before the end of the podcast. Um, <laughs> municipality of Abu Dhabi, but the, the, there is a company called EPCO, uh, which owns it. Uh, I'm not sure who EPCO is, but basically it, the, the hotel, the, the infrastructure, the building, the company is owned by uh, an Abu Dhabi company, but the hotel is run by Mandarin Hotels, very famous uh, upmarket hotel group, of course, that Mandarin don't own it. It's possibly a little bit like the Etihad Stadium itself, where we're we don't own the stadium, but we operate it. Um, you know, the stadium is owned by someone else. We don't know. No one seems to know the exact details of the deal. So do, do EPCO, the company that owns the Emirates Palace, is it a, a true joint venture? Do they share profits with, with Mandarin? Or, you know, are they the 100% owner and they uh, pay Mandarin to operate it and take all the profits? We don't know. But uh, it's just got undergone a two-year refurbishment. So and he's looking to open imminently, I believe. So you could understand them wanting to advertise, and it's one of the things that well boils people piss, isn't it? They say an Abu Dhabi company uh, advertising with City, and assume it's something dodgy. But you know, if you're, you're a hotel, you're a plush hotel. I'm, 
we, we know that Abu Dhabi is positioning itself as a as a hub, as a destination in its own right, uh, uh, or as a hub to other destinations. Um, why would you? And it's a global deal. This is one of the great people things for people forget about uh, commercial deals with City. These these are generally global deals. So you know all the clubs we own. I've lost count. It's sixteen. We own or part own now. Ten. I've lost count. Ten. Ten or eleven. That more than that, fourteen, mm-hmm. I think. Anyway, I don't well, know. Forget, well, we'll the forget the numbers, but um, you're getting coverage. It will get coverage on every team that we're associated with. So you know, every continent, it will get covered. And, and people, you know, you, you hear Liverpool fans say, "Oh, you know, you haven't got the fan base. What? Why are they paying you so much money?" It's not about the fan base. It's not aimed. You know, it's not aimed at the fans. You know, Standard Chartered sponsor Liverpool, as we often remind them, uh, due to their record on money laundering, rather sad record on money laundering. You know, th- there's no Standard Chartered branch in Liverpool or Oslo, or I don't know, might be one in Oslo or, or Dublin. It's not aimed at the fans. You know, the Premier League is the most watched sporting competition in the world. It's watched all over the world. It's, uh, you know, the Champions League is watched all over the world. You, th- that's the exposure you're getting. And when you appear in that, you know, regularly one of the most successful clubs in that, when you appeared in the Champions League for, what, 10, 10 11 seasons running now, you, you've got that exposure. It's, um, you know, it's like a national TV channel compared to a local one. And, and that's why people pay us. And, and, and if you, say, if you're relaunching a hotel, you want to advertise that fact, of course. So, Was yeah. that the old Campeski hotel? Sorry? Campeski, something. Was that the old Campeski? Is it Kempinski? I can't remember the name now. It, it was Kempinski who used to Kempinski. operate it, yeah. But it's now Mandarin. So you know, it's a good, it's a top Mandarin or a top hotel brand. You don't, you don't get, you know, that Mandarin don't, you know, they're not competing with Travel Lodge or Premier Inn. Well, guys, that was that was the first part of what we're going to answer here. But we have another question flying in, and it says. Ask Bernard what he thinks about Ferran Torres using Manchester City as a stepping stone to Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> I well, think sure. I, I think that Bernard's opinions might be emphatic. I'm just going to guess. <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, at the end of the day, I just think I just wanted to be in that in that boardroom or wherever. Pep had a chat with Ferran when he first joined us, and I'm I'm sure Ferran said to Pep, "Listen, Pep." I'm going to join you, mate. I like the projects. I'll say David Silva's number off you. And, uh, yeah, but I am going to go to uh, Barcelona or Real Madrid or somewhere, mate. I'm only using you lot as a stepping stone. You know, I think Pep said that's fair enough. That's fair enough, mate. You, you could do that in a couple of years. That's no problem. I just, I just think it's laughable that, uh, obviously, at the moment, the stepping stone's the other way, mate, isn't it? Let's be honest about it. There's, there's absolutely no way a stepping stone from City to Barcelona. It's Barcelona to City, if anything. And to be honest with you, there's no one there that we want, so we're not going to be, we're not going to take anyone. But uh, yeah, good luck to the lad. Uh, he'll be, he'll do okay, I, I suppose. And he's you got potential, of course. He has. He might come back and he might come back and haunt us, might he? But uh, there's nothing we can do about it. He's not happy. And he wants to go home. Let him go home. But uh, I'm, I'm sure he didn't put on his CV that it was just going to be a stepping stone to somewhere else. Right. Well, this is the thing that I I, want to. I really want to ask Ray this. Ray, how are Barcelona even a credible uh, source of information (laughs) on on signings? I mean, they're completely bankrupt. 
Well, look, they've just got this one, and I think they're just about to take out a one and a half billion euro loan with Goldman Sachs. It's their, debt, their, their loans with Goldman Sachs for about two billion euros. It's crazy. Um, I think in, in actually financing a deal, so that's where the cash flow, so that sorts that out. The amortization, if you put the kid, if, if you're paying, let's say, 50, was it 55 million euros, if you put him on a, let's say, a six contract, that's nine million euros a year amortization. I don't know what his wages are. I don't think they're that, that high, actually. So his amortization wages might come in at something like 14 or 15 million maximum, maybe even, yeah, uh, even less. <laughs> so it's actually an annual, as an annual figure, I don't think it's that. The issues and the why there's lots of uh, ch- chatter about this that they weren't able to register him is because they still need to get rid of some red books and play leave. So you're seeing the fact that Messi, who they could have, you know, uh, re-signed, you know, uh, didn't need to leave for to keep him. Um, so the wage cap in terms of their financial fair play in Spain, I think Collins talked about this before, they don't look uh, backwards and forwards. Uh, they don't in two or three years, so they look at how is it going to affect you right now. And so it's more immediate rather than historic. And Barcelona just put it in him so that he had to leave. Griezmann had to leave, just, uh, given away to go back to Athletic, uh, Athletic uh, Madrid. Um, you had the crazy situation where Barcelona were banned on f- last summer. So they got Aguero free transfer. They wanted Wijnaldum on a free transfer. And they got outdone by PSG. PSG put a bit more money in salary. And when when you hear what he was getting paid at PSG, it's less than 200000 a week. And Barcelona couldn't compete with that. Whatever it was, 150000 a week. Barcelona couldn't compete. So he went there. They got Memphis Depay on a free. They got Eric Garcia on a free. It's all about free free deals. And the rumours are, they, the way they make this work is they get rid of a few people off the books. That's why Philip Coutinho's gone to Aston Villa. They're going to take his wages off their books, huge eye-watering amount of wages, and that frees up the space, I think, to get uh, Torres registered. Um, they they can't sell Coutinho because no one's daft enough to buy him. Actually, they don't want to sell Coutinho. And this is, I mean, this is going to sound perverse, I think. I read that they don't really want to sell Coutinho because if they sell him now, they have to have a loss in their accounts because if they sell him off, even if they give him away, they'll have a loss. He's worth about 30, 40 million euros in their books because they paid a stupid amount of about 140 million to Liverpool all those years ago. So he's still got a net book value of 30, 40 million quid apparently. And if they sold him for free or 10 million euros, they'd have a loss. So they're happy. If that's all correct, it's just a crazy, perverse situation. So they're still trying to get rid of players. Basically begging him to leave. He won't leave. He's in a whopping contract that no one else is going to match. I think there's a couple of other players they want to leave. And they will They will on the cheap. We known of interest. I think there are players of interest. Um, I think uh, we... Could we still be interested in someone like Frankie de Jong, who is uh, rumoured to be one of the five or six players that will be allowed to leave on the cheap? Because Barcelona really, what they need to do, sell players, give them away, get their contracts off, the, their expensive contracts, and get cheaper players in who are going to cost them much less, like 
yeah, Eric Garcia and lots of other players who are going to come for half of the actual amount of money that they should be on. So I think Garcia went, you know, when he originally was going to go, they offered him a certain amount of money. And then when he actually went, he was on half the salary that he had uh, apparently agreed six months earlier. So that's the way Barcelona are going to do it. They've got, they've got that clout. They've still got enough clout to be able to get away with that. You know, if we tried that, I think players would tell us to do one. Uh, but Barcelona still have that. Uh, you know, it's one of those things. You've got a few clubs in the, in world football that will, for, you know, you feel forevermore have that ability to 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 draw players in. Um, and you know, some players, given the choice between a struggling Barcelona and a really successful City, will still choose Barcelona. We've got to be honest about that. Oh, guys, we've got a doozy question uh, for Colin Savage here. Uh, we'll try to deal with it. Um, um, Colin, we all we all know um, Sidlow, right? He's a fantastic uh, journalist uh, reporting on things in Spain. But uh, my questioner wonders whether when you've lived in Spain as an, a young Englishman for so many years, you begin to cover um, what is not necessarily right. And they are basically asking... When it comes to transfers with Barcelona and Real Madrid, how can you believe anything that Sid is saying right now? And that's, uh, well, that's, yeah, that's, for, that's for Colin. Are they saying kind of Sid's gone native? Uh, yeah, basi- basically Sid's gone native and he's, um, and he's basically projecting a financial reality that doesn't exist. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what Sid is saying. I mean, it's, it's quite, you know... Uh, a very listenable journalist, and he knows his um, certainly knows his Spanish. But um, yeah, you know, the, as, as we said with um, Torres, uh, Arsenal's still got to clear some money off the wage bill to be able to register him. Um, and you know, the, the, and, and yet, and yet, they're still talking about signing players, Colin. Well, well, uh, it, interesting. There's a funny one I saw on Twitter earlier that uh, Plan A is if they can't get uh, Harland. Then Plan B is Bruno Fernandes. Well, he's welcome to and Plan him. B is Bruno Fernandes. God knows what Plan C is. But, but Colin, I think the thing that makes people annoyed with Sid is the the idea that they're going to sign Mbappe and Haaland when they're obviously bankrupt. Well, you know, it's this game's being played, isn't there? And, um, you know, with, with a lot of journalists, and we know this with our friend um, Mr Panja, who worked for the New York Times and others. John Cross is another example. Their, their sources are senior people at clubs, and they, 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 they you know, they earn their crust by doing the bidding of the people at those clubs. They get the information from them, yeah, but also they'll be slipped little trifles and stuff that the club wants to get out into the uh, into the media. I mean, you shouldn't believe anything you read in the media, basically. Uh, about transfers and stuff like that until the transfer is done. I mean, what could be going on here? Real Madrid, they seem to have the money, but are they going to get Mbappe and Haaland? Not without selling someone decent. But, you know, maybe they're talking about Haaland to up his price, you know, to to, to make it more difficult for us. You know, because it's all... Maybe, um, you know, maybe it's been briefed by Liverpool, I don't know, or United or, or whoever. Uh, we, we just don't know. I mean, I always say to treat anything you read in the media um, 
with a huge pinch of salt because it, it's generally it's the product of something that an, either an agent, a manager, a player, a club, uh, a, a PR department has fed to a journalist. Because journalists, there's, there's very few journalists who actually go out and get their own stories. Um, you know, I, I, we've talked about Adam Crafton before. I know Adam. He's a he's a feature writer. He goes out and finds features uh, and writes them. Um, but you know, you see a lot, a lot of the journalists, particularly working for the the, the normal dailies and, and Sundays, they're getting fed stuff. Um, you know, they, they rely on stuff being fed. All that would simply make something up, of course, particularly at the lower end of the market. We've seen that before. So, yeah, of course, Sid's, Sid's probably um, reflecting a position that his contacts at that club have told him. What we don't know is why they've told him that. Well, guys, a uh, quick disclaimer here. We do not want to... Um say anything uh, negative about, about Sidlow. He's a fantastic, oh, fantastic uh, journalist. Um, but, um, you know, obviously he's got to report the news, but s- some of this stuff, uh, Ray, just doesn't make sense. There's a lot of rubbish out there. We've, we've, we've said it many times, you know, most, um, trans- most bits of transfer gossip, I think the chance of it coming true, you know, is less, it's, a, it's just a few percent of them actually uh, come true now. You know, some journalists will turn around and say, "Well, you know, we had uh, on good authority, and things break down. You know, uh, uh, negotiations break down, or they were asking for too much money, but the club were interested." So they've always got these get outs for. And, and I ask, as Colin says, I think some of the stories are planted. Uh, there's a lot of planted stories, and there's made up stories because generally, who's going to contest them? You know, when stories are made up about City and you get some we've seen some terrible stuff in the in, in the past from, from the usual suspects City generally in the public don't come out and say anything so nobody's going to if no one's going to say this is made up this is a lie then the journalists are going to keep on doing it we've seen it occasionally where players have come out and said this is a lie they've come out on social media and said this is made up this is not true and then the journalists generally uh, shut up for a little little bit and then just carry on and people, people forgive them. People forgive them for making up uh, quotes, making up stories. It is ridiculous. And you know, look, I, I don't doubt that if people think, like Colin said, if people think Haaland's coming to City, then you know, maybe they want to be as disruptive as possible. Because if you can't get him yourself, then you want to disrupt your opponents as much as possible, maybe into pay, paying him more than you should. Because if you, you know, if you end up paying more money, see the buy Haaland or on his wages, that's going to have an impact on other business that you potentially could do. So, you know, I, I've said it uh, a few times. If I was Man City, I'd be telling um, Mohamed Salah's agent that we are very willing to pay five hundred thousand pounds a week for more Salah uh, in wages. When Liverpool are offering, I think somewhere in the region of three hundred or three fifty, so Salah apparently wanted five hundred thousand. Liverpool are going to make an agreement, probably at three fifty to four hundred, I reckon, at tops. So if his agent knows that someone's willing to pay five hundred thousand pounds a week, maybe he tells this to Mo Salah, and Mo Salah pushes Liverpool a little bit more, and saying, you know, some someone wants to pay me half a million, and then Liverpool have that difficult decision: do you um, call his bluff? Or do you pay him a little bit more? And it's you know it sounds crazy, but if you end up paying him an extra hundred thousand pounds a week because you're scared to lose him, and and and, and um, I kid you not when I say without more Salah, Liverpool would not be in the top four right now. 
Without Mo, Mo Salah is banging the goals in. Um, he he dragged them into the top four last season, and he's keeping them there and keeping them as challenges this season. Um, so you know, if if all, if things were different and you could move within a league, he would love to be at Man City. I, I think he would love it because he would be winning everything, and City would be winning everything if we had Mo Salah right now. So if, you know, if I, if I, I, I said I would push this information out there just to make Liverpool end up paying an extra you know, five or six million pounds a year for Mo Salah on his salary because that will have an impact on other areas of their uh, business. And, and they are one of the heaviest, uh, one of the highest uh, spenders in terms of wages, in terms of agent fees, in terms of bonuses and stuff like that. So I don't think they've got that much room to manoeuvre. So why not make, make it much more difficult for them to exist on what they've currently got? Well, guys, listen, it is very important that you understand who you're listening to when you listen to the journalists. Obviously, I think that um, Colin might be right in that Sid has probably gone native. We all know that Julian Laurent is a, a big fan of PSG. We, we all know that my friend Rafa Honigstein is an unapologetic uh, Bayern uh, Munich supporter. Uh, when you listen to the guys on The Guardian... Uh, I, I I think uh, James Richardson is a little bit, he's obviously very, very influenced by his time in covering Italian football. And um, he's a, James is a little bit agent provocateur, I think. And um, for his Irish uh, co-body, I don't think that anyone should listen to anything that he says. But um, it, it is interesting, isn't it, uh, Bernard? I, I, I'm not sure that City would do any business with Mina Raiola because they had their fingers burnt very badly before Bernard. It's very hard to imagine that they could do a deal unless you think otherwise. I mean, you know, let's face it, we, we've all, you know, most of us have been involved in business and stuff like this. And you just, you know, it's a different breed, isn't it, football? It's a different setup to, to what we, we consider business. It is a business, but obviously there's different circumstances and uh, obviously they're talking about people like Raiola. I mean, you, you wouldn't touch with a barge pole, let's face it, as, as businessmen, you wouldn't do it. But uh, it's a different world, isn't it? But uh, uh, I think like the guys there, I mean, I, I don't take any real notice of uh, what's happening with, with these journalists. They've all, they've all pretty much got agendas for, for their own, uh, what they support, etc. I'm, I'm not saying they get influenced by the clubs they support, but obviously they, they, all, want, they all want to do everyone down. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't touch Raiola with a barge pole or anything to do with that. I don't think I don't think in a million years we'll get Ireland at this point in time, you know. But a couple of days ago, already was on his way and all this rubbish. I mean, it's just 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 stupid. I mean, it, people people do programs every day on the trans, you know, on the transfer. What's happening on the transfer? And there's nothing happening. There's absolutely nothing happening as far as City concerned. But people get a program out of it every day, and it, it's just Are it's still just doing it in January, Bernard. Are people still yeah. doing it in January? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're still doing, you know, every day you get a, a cast of, uh, you know, what's happening in the transfer world. And they're just looking at things like news now and stuff like that, you know, all the stuff yeah. that's uh, getting the information. It's, it's just rubbish. I just. Uh, since Pep's been here, I'll throw this out there. Since Pep's been here, how many players, how many serious players have we signed in the January transfer window? This is Pep's sixth season now. How many proper players have we signed? Nobody, I guess. Um, it was only the the most significant one wasn't even in Pep's time. It was Eddie Jacko. No, no, no. Uh, one player in January that was in Pep's time. That is an important player. Who's that? But only, 
We got Laporte because they felt he had the right attitude, uh, the confidence, yeah. the ability to succeed immediately. That's We don't buy in January because we know it's so difficult for someone to adapt. People who join in the summer don't adapt for one season. So if you join in January, you've got even less chance um, of adapting and, and, and slotting in. And they felt that uh, American Laporte could do that. He could hit the ground running. But even so, he only featured, I think, in eight Premier League games after he joined. So he wasn't around that much, you know, but he was the only one in six seasons. So anybody who's saying City are going to buy so-and-so in January, they're talking out of their backsides. Yeah, um, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, guys, listen, yeah. we're we're into our final uh, eight minutes and um, I am going to do something that I've never done before. I'm going to put out a two-hour podcast and we're going to see how many uh, listeners we get. We're into the final uh, five or six minutes, I think seven or eight minutes, and uh, I'm just amazed at uh, the stamina of these guys that we've got with us. And uh, just throw it open for the final few minutes and, um, um, and, and ask the guys, are there any other issues that you'd like to uh, talk about before we uh, look forward to the next game? Is this the piss-boiling section? I think it might be, Ray. Okay. Oh, we need one for that. Yeah, we need a full hour. The piss-balling special. Stuff. Well, I, I, I've got the recorder on, and let's go. Well, I've got, I mean, we talked about the, um, the two conflicts <coughs> before, uh, which are probably minimal amounts, uh, 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 but have boiled an insane amount of piss. And, 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 you know, while we're talking about recent events, of course, the team we put out for the Swindon game on Friday night, uh, despite the fact we respected the competition, put out a strong team, left some of the youngsters on the bench, apart from Cole Palmer. Of course, some of them got on uh, later on, but Cole Palmer was the only one who started. Um, so, so that pulled a lot of piss. <laughs> and I, I, I've been studying this quite carefully. And, and you can go back over 100 years for, for the start of the city boiling piss um, stories. Uh, it started with Billy Meredith in, in 1904. Billy Meredith was the first footballing superstar of his time. And, and City uh, were, were 10 years old at that time, whereas the more established clubs were, were talking about 30, 25, 30 years old. So, so we were seen as the new boys on the block. Uh, and uh, the established clubs, particularly Villa, who saw themselves as the king of the league at that time, were, were particularly jealous. And of course, I'm sure people know the story, but we, we, it was our cup year, so 1903-1904, uh, we're also going for the league as well. We ended up runners-up. But uh, our penultimate game was against Villa. Uh, and um, a story uh, came out from the Villa captain, a guy called Alec Leake, that Meredith had offered him a 10-quid bribe or 20-quid bribe to throw the game. Now, M- Meredith claimed this was uh, a joke. Of um, course, uh, uh, we went on to win the cup anyway, our first major trophy. But this this row rumbled on through the summer. And the FA got involved because... Um, you know, it's a bit similar to to, to United and, and and Liverpool these days. You know, they, they've got their claws into the corridors of power. And the FA came along, and um, there was a bit of a stink about it. Uh, but they didn't find anything else wrong. But Meredith was suspended for this. For this. Now, now City, of course, um, managed to make a, a crisis out of a drama. And the way they treated Meredith upset him. And he, Pete, basically, he grasped grasped us up to the FA. 
over illegal payments to players because of course there was a maximum wage at the time something like four quid a week so so the fa came down on us like a ton of bricks that was all the excuse they need uh, uh, and um, the club in 1904 despite being 10 years old was nearly wiped out uh, of course we came back from that uh, and then the next the next kind of major piece of um consternation that we caused was was probably signing Bert Troutman. Now, of course, it was post-war. Uh, Troutman was, was a German former uh, paratrooper, uh, and this caused all sorts of issues but amongst City fans as well as the, the general public, because the war was still, uh, you know, only a few years since the end of the war, it was still fresh in the memory. So so we, we've got all that, and then um, that all died down, and, and, and we come to the Let's come to the 60s. And of course, the famous Mercer Allison team, uh, and Malcolm Allison was not a man to hide his light under a bushel. Uh, big Mal was a big, brash character, uh, and he would regularly walk on the pitch before the game uh, in front of the opposition supporters and tell them how many goals we were going to score. And he famously did this at Old Trafford, held up three fingers saying we're going to score three goals. Now, can you imagine, you know, can you imagine someone like Klopp or... or Whoever's you know managing United this week, uh, or, or Pep, wandering on the field before a game in front of the the Stratford end and holding up three fingers. I mean, you know, they, they come down on him like a ton two of bricks. Sorry, two that, fingers is in front of the Stratford end. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, 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 you know, we've got a history of of, of being uh, somewhat controversial, I think, and um, you know, this 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 carried on. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll skip over some of it, but we'll, we'll perhaps we'll come to the. Um, oh, there, there was another one. Sorry, just before the Second World War, 1937, we sent a team out to play in Germany, pre-season in Germany. And the Germans required even visiting teams to give the Nazi salute before a game. Uh, and Frank Swift instructed uh, the City players not to give it. Uh, and that certainly boils some German, um, and probably some here as well. Now, of yeah, course, we get to... Oh, um, and uh, so we're talking about Big Mal and, and, and um, Joe Mercer. And of course... Uh, the player who probably bowled, bowled more pistons than he was Fran, Franny Lee, who uh, we've just done the series of podcasts about. And, of course, he was famous for winning penalties or, or, or scoring penalties. So um, Lee always used to, um, uh, you know, uh, he was welcome everywhere he went for that, as you can probably imagine. So so, so let's move into the modern era. And um, I think I think Mike Doyle used to boil some bits as well, though, Colin, right? Uh, not, not, not quite on that level, I don't think. Just, just looking. I've lost my notes. But uh, there we are. Yes. So uh, let's move into the modern area. I mean, um, Alan Ball certainly did it among City fans. Uh, quite a few managers. <laughs> uh, Stuart Pearce again, awesome person among City fans. Um, uh, and in that era, um, what one player particularly, what one incident particularly, which was Ben Thatcher. Oh yeah. Uh, oh my uh, gosh. Assault on uh, Portsmouthers. Pedro Mendes. Guys, could I, could I just um, stop in here and, and say, guys, there's a wonderful podcast where, where the guys are on top form, where we released a pod called The Least Favourite Manchester City Players. And um, Mr. Thatcher is right up there. And uh, guys, check that out. Anyway, back to Colin. So, yeah, so um, we then come to the modern era. And of course, we get to... Oh, up to 2007, we're everyone's second favourite club, really, the comedy club. And then we're on the global stage because um, Taktin Shinawatra comes along and takes over the club. And that's when the first kind of um, outrage about human rights 
started to, to surface. And uh, but but Taxing didn't care particularly. And uh, you know, we spent some money then. Uh, not not quite the money we spent um, um, in, in those days. Uh, in in more recent days. But um, so, so yeah, so, so Texans reign, uh, and then of course he had to go on the run um, because he was wanted in Thailand. And um, but but that was minor compared to what came next, because of course 2008, Sheikh Mansour took us over, uh, and that that just released gallons of piss uh, in, onto the world market. So of course immediately overnight we were at the world's richest club, uh, as we were described. We weren't. But but, you know, it's nothing to do with a club. But that has spawned. So everything that we do, you know, the players we bought, Rabinho, Milner, Barry, uh, Adebayor. And, of course, Adebayor uh, produced one of the famous, most famous piss-boiling episodes with his celebration when he scored against Arsenal, uh, rushing back into uh, our own half of the field in front of the Arsenal fans uh, and going on his knees. And the whole world... Um, was 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 outraged at that. Uh, you know, there, there was questions in Parliament and Adabai, the, the, the FA, the Premier League, uh, PG Mall had to uh, try all sorts of tricks to to make sure he was banned for that. Colin, could uh, I just ask a quick question? Uh, because one person has asked it. There's a there was a particular game, and I don't know which one it is. Ray will know where Edin Dzeko got fouled, and he just wouldn't get up. Everton. <laughs> Everton away, 2004. Was that not a perfect uh, escapade of piss boiling? Yes, it was brilliant. I was there. It was absolutely fantastic. I mean, that was a great game. One of my favourite ever away games, of course. Bernard, you... Bernard, were you were you there when Jeco lied on the on the on the touchline like a zombie and wouldn't get up? <laughs> I, I I wasn't there, no, but I do remember it. Uh, absolutely brilliant. I mean, obviously. Uh, they're just the classics, aren't they? They're just the isolated incidents, aren't they? We can speak of with the players, and I'm I'm sure we could probably pick other teams' players who've done similar things, but it doesn't have the effect, does it, that uh, City, City players has on, on other teams? Ray, Ray, at that moment, did you think that Edin Dzeko really got us? <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, look, he did what look, he did what he needed to do. It, it was a standoff between the referee and uh, and uh, Dzeko. Dzeko said he was injured. The referee said he wasn't. Referee couldn't do anything. He couldn't book him or make him get up, and Jekka wouldn't get up. So it was it was a, it was a great standoff. Do you, I was going to ask, do you remember the one against United where we held the ball in the corner for about two oh, minutes? Oh, that, that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. And uh, it ended up with um, who was it now who actually scythed down a player and, and actually should have got sent. Actually, Ashley Young should have got sent off for that. That was ball in piss. Another great one was uh, a game near the end of a game. Kyle Walker. He was going to take a throw in, and the ball boy <laughs> oh, threw yes. the ball back. And Kyle Walker just kicked it, kicked it back at him a couple of times, and then pointed at the ball boy as if it was his fault for for not throwing the ball. And that was just wasting time. I mean, look, everybody does that sort of thing, but that was just obviously because we're City fans, and he was one of our players. We absolutely loved it. All right, okay, Colin, uh, please continue. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, let, let, let's. Um, the, the next big one, I think, was. Welcome to Manchester. When we signed, oh my God, crazy! And 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 this was absolutely brilliant. I mean, this was probably the classic, wasn't it? Um, you know, the big poster at the end of Deansgate, at, at the cathedral end of Deansgate. Welcome to Manchester. And no one, as City fans, got it, of course, because um, you know the, we know that United isn't really in Manchester. 
And uh, but this, oh my goodness me! C certainly among United fans, they went absolutely crazy. So much so that um, apparently uh, Alex Ferguson oh, grabbed hold of Vicky Kloss after a uh, a derby match. Uh, was it the, the 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 extra time derby? You know, the extra 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 time derby, the Martin Atkinson Time Lord derby, uh, and and was kind of red in the face, kind of spitting at her. Not not literally spitting at her, but you know, going on about this poster, and she had nothing to do with it. That that was a sad thing. Um, Not in my lifetime. <laughs> so yeah, that, that 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 was a brilliant one. And um, so then, of course, there's the money side of things. So we talked about you know the takeover, the Etihad sponsorship. We talked about these little sponsorships before. The, the Etihad sponsorship, of course, you know, uh, which UEFA and CAS both said were was was fair value and of course that whole probably the biggest single one it was the um the financial fair play cas case uh, uh and that when we got off with that 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 oh dear me that that boiled so much fish didn't it? It, it it you know all our learned journalists with their contacts were telling us it was the foregone conclusion that the band was going to be egg out. all over their faces. Egg all just, over their faces. Yes. Well, they just, they just roll, roll on. That's the thing. I mean, you could put anything on their faces and they just roll on. Um, um, wipe it off. And some, of, some, some of them don't even wipe it off and just carry on. And obviously because they work for publications that are in the public eye, uh, they get away with it, which is, which is a shame, really. Do you remember yeah. another? I was going to mention. I've got to mention it before, in case I forget. Mario's wink. Oh my gosh, that sent Rio Ferdinand into like. That's one of my favourites. Now I, I've, got, I've, I've got a question about that, Ray. Um, like, what was it about a little wink that made Rio Ferdinand go fucking apeshit? <laughs> I, 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 look, they'd lo just lost a semi-final to City. Rio Ferdinand had, had been at United for several years. He was, you know. He wasn't United through and through, but he was very much Mr. Man United. I mean, he's seen something like that a hundred times before. Why did no, he go? No. Mario he go? Mario has that ability to wind people up with the smallest things. You know, he winds City. He used to wind City fans up. Remember him scoring a goal with his shoulder or that back heel, which got in a, in a, in a friendly uh, in, in in the states, which got yeah, got a toss off. Yeah. So he. he, he yeah, yeah. So you know, he he, he he used to do all sorts. So sometimes he annoyed City fans as well. So these little gestures, sometimes the smallest of gestures, has such such meaning. And I just love the reaction from Rio Ferdinand. It's just it is one of the for me anyway the best moments of the last. And, and, and also, guys, you knew you knew that if they were going to get into a physical physical altercation, that uh, Mario would have emptied. Um, Rio Ferdinand, you, you knew but, that. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what Mario would have done. He'd have straightened his teeth. <laughs> but guys, there's 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 one question here that I really have to ask to Bernard, uh, because Bernard is the man on the ground, as we say. Bernard, do you remember waking up one day and seeing that massive poster on Deansgate? Welcome to Manchester. Well, it's just classic, isn't it? I mean, it's in the same way. The other thing that you've not mentioned, uh, Obviously, involving a certain uh, Argentinian was the uh, 
the sign R.I.P. Fergie. I mean, you remember that at the uh, at the parade. I mean, that, yeah. for me, that was that was quality black comedy at its best. I didn't find anything offensive at all because it didn't mean it didn't mean what it was supposed to mean. It was purely satirical in the fact of what Ferguson had said, not in his lifetime, and it was very very clever. And yet, all the piss that was boiled over that was was incredible. And it was similar to that big massive poster. It's just you know, at the end of the day, if it's them that had done it, you know, it would be fantastic. But it, but it's not. So it's city. So oh, oh, we can't have this. It shouldn't be allowed. But that that thing United have tried to replicate, haven't they? But obviously, it doesn't work. It doesn't work the second, third, fourth time, guys. I mean, you've got to learn. It's only ever works the first time. So that, well, that's. I never uh, understood it because they did it for Ronaldo. Was it for Ronaldo? They yeah. did welcome to yeah. Manchester. Yeah, and not understanding the whole point of the original. <laughs> well, well, guys, I, I think that Colin is definitely going to remember. I, I don't want to pre preempt him, but I think he's probably going to remember two things number one was that sign that they put up all at uh, old trafford you know 30 years 32 yeah, years right. whatever and, and also i think that um i think that colin really enjoyed the golf shot by by um by tevis carlos, oh, carlos yeah, tevis. Yeah. i mean the, yeah i mean that whole thing uh, i was going to come back to the managers i mean um you know we get to mark hughes and, and his sacking and all the the, the press furore about how we'd uh, betrayed him and and, and uh, how Mancini had been sat in the false stories that we sued over that Mancini was sat in the stands. Um, uh, you know, poor old Mark Hughes. Uh, and of course, when Mancini was sacked, um, you know, we got a whole load of abuse from the press over that. Uh, and then Pellegrini, I mean, Pellegrini was brilliant, but the media hated him because he never gave them anything. Never gave them any memorable quote. Master class of interviewing. The, the straightest. He, he made Jeff Boycott look adventurous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> attitude, his attitude to the media. Total straight back, you know, uh, for over after over. And they hated him for that. And, of course, Pep. They hate Pep, don't they? I mean, they, they will never give him any credit uh, until he's gone, of course. You know, he's a checkbook manager. Uh, you know, he's had no influence on, in, on, on football. I was watching the... Everton Hull game, the whole Everton game. And, and you saw that, you know, the, the, obviously not to our quality, you saw Hull, you know, a team in the championship doing what we did. You know, you could see the placement of the players, the way they were moving the ball. Not not to our level, of course, but, you know, the influence that Pep's had on the game. You see, league, as we said before, you see League Two clubs playing it out from the back. You never saw that, you know, five years ago or whatever. So, um, but, but Pep never gets any respect, you know, because he only... Does it with money, um, so so that's the managers. And the, actually, the banner, United banner didn't boil a lot of piss, did it? Because um, well, it did among some City fans. I, I always found it quite uh, amusing, actually, because it was it was a sight. How sad they were that the club sanctioned it. Of course, United sanctioned. Um, they kept. They stored the banner. They kept it. The only time they didn't put it up was the fiftieth uh, anniversary of the of the Munich uh, of the Munich air disaster game. Which we which we ball pissed by winning, of course, uh, and that game as well. That that reminds me, of course, uh, there was a huge um, outcry before that game about the city fans going dis disrespecting the minute silence. And of course, um, we were impeccable. Uh, that was the word used, impeccable, during that silence. And 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 but the, you know from we played it that that furore that furore 
was was building from the FA Cup third round. I remember we played West Ham and the story started then, uh, you know, six weeks, no, a month beforehand. So, um, you know, and again, that was all, all a fuss about nothing. So, um, and it just sort of, when we talked about the RFA Fergie one, that, that hacked off United, of course, and everyone else jumped on the bandwagon. But the, the other one that hacked off Liverpool particularly was the, the, the video of the players coming back on a plane singing our version of the Ale 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 song, mm. which we <laughs> absolutely hate. Uh, and there was a whole fuss about that, how it was re- disrespectful. Um, but but no one said the same thing about United when they sang Why Don't City Bleep Off Home when they won the uh, Europa League. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we just, um, you know, it, it was soon after the bomb, uh, the arena bomb, of course. So, yeah. but, but that Ale Ale, we were accused of, like, Promoting genocide by um, by singing that, so so that was a bit stupid. Um, I'm just trying to find all the other big ones. Um, oh yeah, uh, uh, just, uh, just interrupt, just interrupt that that uh, the best thing about that 34, 35 year thing at Old Trafford, and it always comes back to haunt you these things, doesn't it? I think the best thing about that was the City scoreboard, uh, obviously clicking down. Think. 35 to 0. I think that was the greatest thing, you know, for fans to look at that clock ticking down to 0 when we actually uh, won that cup. That was absolutely fantastic. Well, listen, while while Colin is um um finishing off his thoughts, um uh, there there's one question that I have on my timeline that I'm going to ask Ray and we're going to ask Ray this question. Ray, who was the <laughs> biggest when you're laughing at me already? I know because <laughs> everyone loves what you've got to say. Who was the biggest United baiter? Was it A. Bernardo Silva or <laughs> B. Uh, Craig Bellamy? What Craig Bellamy? Yeah. Um. Well, because he Be- loved to stick in them, didn't he? Yeah, but Be- Bellamy's going back a bit. He's going back in uh, about fourteen years, and I, I know. But do you remember how much he loved it? He loved it. Oh no, but yeah, they, no, I think there's been a few, but no, for right now Bernardo he annoys opposition, he annoys Liverpool fans, especially United fans. That's good enough for me right now, Bernardo Silva. I'm, I'm, I'm living for the moment, uh, and Bernardo, Bernardo <laughs> Silva. <laughs> I'll tell you another good one. Do you remember Mancini arguing with um, Ferguson? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Other managers were just, you know, uh, curtsied or, you know, bow down to Ferguson. And Mancini's giving it someone, giving him, giving him the yap-yap with the hand and everything. And he was ready to slap him. Uh, I, I mean, I'd, I'd have loved that. I'd have loved that, you know, OK, you, you shouldn't hit old men. But, you know, Ferguson, <laughs> you know, far too often Ferguson's been well out of order and people have not said or done anything. Uh, but Mancini, I mean, he knew, you know, he, he knew he had to stand up to him. Um, exert his authority, and the city fans loved him for that. Colin Savage, you you know from watching uh, football for the last twenty years, people like um, Allardyce and Steve Bruce and uh, all of the rest, they just bowed down before him. But Mancini was a spiky little bugger, wasn't he? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. He wasn't going to bow down before anyone, and that that and, and, and you know, you think about Tevez and, and Gary Neville. Uh, sock sucking moron. <laughs> that was that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was another one. And, uh, 
I just quickly compiled um, a list of, of some of the other ones that have uh, hacked off Liverpool over the years. And um, if you remember when Sterling was playing for them, that goal that was disallowed when he was supposedly offside, and 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 um, yeah, yeah, everyone stopped, hadn't they? And uh, anyway, so so that hacked them off. Uh, then then the Stones goal line clearance in the uh, 2019 game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, third yeah. yeah. of January. Uh, the um, Liverpool fans claiming that the line was too wide. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. the um, Sadio Mane Edison incident, yeah, where Edison yeah. should have been sent off for damaging uh, Mane's boot with his head, according <laughs> to Liverpool fans. And um, last season, when the Everton game was postponed due to COVID, um, Klopp going on a rant about having two weeks off when we'd actually had what. Eight days or something, um, and of course nothing was said about their their postponement uh, against um, was it Arsenal. Nothing was said about that. No, you know, it was an entirely yeah. legitimate. Uh, I remember a, a Liverpool fan is particularly annoying on Twitter, saying, "Let the conspiracy theories commence." Well, they should know about conspiracy theories with COVID cancellations. Let, let, let me let me let me just jump in and ask uh, Bernard one question because. Um, this is a very popular one on our pod. Um, Bernard, have you ever seen a rapier through the heart of a team before, like the one that Leroy Sané scored against uh, Liverpool in that 2-1? Have you ever uh, seen an- anything that, that matches that? Fucking heck. Um, it was, it was I've devastating. Seen it, wasn't it? It was plenty of well, there, was, there was one that season that matched that. Go on. Okay. Okay, cool. It was. It wasn't. Um. It wasn't a goal though. It was a miss, if you remember. Okay. Well, no, there was a goal and then a miss. So we're talking about the Leicester game that season. Ooh. Company's wonder strike. And the Nacho miss at the end. And there were still Liverpool fans who claim we paid him to do that. I mean, How bad was that miss by Ian Nacho? Do you remember that? It was. I remember it. It was glorious. You know, yeah, I mean, I'll yeah. tell you what, if, if he'd been playing against Liverpool, he'd have scored. That's it. That's all you need to know. If he'd been playing against anybody else, I think Kletchy scores. But because it's City, I mean, I, I, I don't care if they, if they think he did it on purpose. I'm here to tell you, he did do it on purpose just to boil more piss. He gets Ray, Man City. Ray, could you just um, very briefly describe that situation? Because well, was, a lot of people need need to remember it was, that. It was put clean through. All you had to do was slot it past the keeper. Are and you are, are you saying you could have scored that, Ray? No. No, I'm not it's, saying it I'm was not saying that at all. It was he's a professional it. footballer. He's a, he's actually a decent player. So I think he just had to place that past the keeper and he dragged it horribly wide. And you know, people are saying it's harder to miss than to score. And so what? He did it he did it on purpose. I'm here to tell you he did it on purpose just to boil Liverpool piss. Oh, it that night. <laughs> let's go. Let's go back to Colin. I think we should probably finish this off. I've got one uh, before we finish. But oh, Ray, go. Ray, you have one more. I'm, oh, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna ask you a question. It's something I'd, I had a, a few things written down. I'm not. I've not even got to Alan Davis's racist rant. But anyway, that's maybe that's not for today. Um, I'm just gonna give you a quiz question. Um, it, some of it's easy, but how long since? These clubs last won the league title. So it'll start off easy. Liverpool. 1989. No, no, no. 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 2000 and 
20, yeah, 20, two years, 20, two years, Chelsea, years, Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea. Oh, that must be the, the uh, Mourinho years, right? 2007. No, no. Seven. When you do, you do uh, Antonio Conte a disservice. 2003. Uh, 2003. No, it was uh, it's, no. 15 or 17. Less than one. He won it after five years. Bernard's got it five years. Conte got 93 points um, five years ago. Manchester United. Yeah, well, I, I can't remember. after us. 2000 and, 2010. 2013. Oh, nine years. years. It's going to be nine years because they're not nine winning years, it this yeah. year. So that's nine years. Arsenal. Oh, my gosh. That Is that the 1950s? Early 2000s, wasn't it? 2019. No. 19 years? 18 years. 2004. Because they're not winning it this year. Tottenham Hotspur. That's got to be the that's got to be the sixties. Going to need a calculator for this one. You need a calculator. Oh, come on, Colin. That, that's got to be the late nineteen sixties, right? Five years, isn't it? Sixty-one. Sixty-one. He won it in nineteen sixty-one. Tottenham won it twice. It was in nineteen fifty-one and sixty-one. Sixty-one years since Spurs last won the league, and their fans walk around as if they're Billy Big Bollocks. Uh, but here's the thing. I, 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 here's, a, here's the thing. It's a very interesting thing. Spurs have borrowed and spent over £1 billion, £1 billion to build their new stadium. And it's pri- for me, anyway, its primary aim is to make more money for their business. And they're going to screw mm-hmm. the fans in the process because the season tickets rocketed in price. You know, food and drink there is amazingly expensive. They're going a few years, a couple of years ago, they said they're going to make eight hundred and fifty thousand pounds at the restaurants on a match day. Eight hundred and fifty grand. Okay, so they're screwing their fans. And in that same time, and, and instead, Sheikh Mansour has bought Man City, spent that sort of money, one billion pounds, in players, and we've won a stack of trophies. And look at the difference. That's the difference between clubs. Spurs are building a stadium or build a stadium to make money for the business, not to win trophies. It's to make money for the business. And they're making that money off the back of the fans. And City are still charging. I think the cheapest season card at City is still £299. We spend similar sort of money to win all these trophies by reinvesting in the squad. And that's the big difference between City and all other clubs. We're not taking money out to make a profit or to pay dividends. United have made massive losses the last two seasons, 55 million a couple of seasons back, 92 million pounds loss in the last set of accounts. And they've just paid the directors, or they've just paid out 11 million pounds in dividends. And then they've got uh, loans and, and interest and all that to pay as well. So it's crazy. These clubs are taking money out of the game. They're taking money out, sending it off overseas, whereas our owners are putting money into the game, leaving it in the club and letting the club be the best sporting club it can be without much of a concern uh, about making a profit. And I think that's the difference. And other fans, they either can't understand that or don't want to understand that uh, because it, it, it goes against their opportunity to have a pop at City. Bottom line is we are a wonderfully managed and run club. You can see that with all the sponsorship deals we're getting. We uh, aren't too... Uh, onerous on our fans uh, with our ticket prices and stuff like that and we reinvest in the squad if other clubs did the same as City maybe they'd be winning stuff like City especially a club that can spend a billion pounds on its stadium like Spurs well guys we're coming uh, guys we're coming to the end now but I think there's one question 
that intrigues me. Uh, I didn't want to ask it because I think we're kind of running out of time, but I think we're going to ask it to Bernard. And uh, I think this is a very interesting question, Bernard. What do you think would have happened to Man City if they had continued with Sven Goran Eriksson? That's an interesting question. What with the uh, with, with the uh, same owners or? <laughs> or just, uh, I'm I'm I'm, ge- I'm guessing with the same owners, but I'm guessing with, uh, under him as a manager yeah. because he he was he was a good manager. Well, what happened? What happened to Sven Goran Eriksson when he left City? That's that's what we can ask, really. I mean, well, he, he's basically probably... he's basically been like me, Bernard. He's been traveling the world. You know? <laughs> no, he's well, a great. He was a good bloke. We'll have to have the Sven Goran Sven. Uh, the, his years anyway what, I can't even say his name now it's getting very late I can't even say it that, that sounds name, like that sounds like a podcast the Sven Goran Eriksson so, so, Mike Mike I've got to ask so Sven is a ladies man just like you <laughs> oh, yeah. I I don't know how to respond to that but uh, yeah I, I just um, oh hold on can I just add something before we go guys uh uh, obviously, this Alan Davis thing, Ray just mentioned it, didn't he? But did you see the response from uh, Liam Gallagher? Yes. What he wrote. <laughs> oh, no, no <laughs> guys, I, I didn't hear that. What what happened? It's a very brief one. It's not long. He just, uh, uh, am I allowed to swear? Can I swear? Am I allowed? If you put someone else to swear, that's okay. Yeah, all he said was, Alan Davis, you need to fuck off to another country. One where you... One where they ain't got a sense of humour, humour, you'll fit right in, you unfunny spunk bubble, MCFC <laughs> LG kiss. <laughs> spunk bubble. <laughs> I think that describes Alan Davis. <laughs> well, he's got away with words, and I actually, uh, before I started this uh, pod up uh, four years ago, I actually emailed him and I asked him, if I could use his uh, music, because we knew we know the music for this pod, and uh, asked him for his permission, and I think he replied in the affirmative with a two-word answer. <laughs> so, um, that means yes. That means yes in Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, guys, he hasn't sued me since, so I, I guess we're okay with it. But guys, really, you know, I think we're probably going to have to finish it here because. You know, we you know we could talk all night. You know, guys, but I'm gonna um, I'm going to uh, honor my commitment, and I am going to put out a two-hour pod with all of us guys uh, talking about these things, and we'll see what response we get. If you don't like it, you think it's too long, you want me to split it in two. Certainly happy to do that. But listen, guys, it's been such a joy. And so therapeutic with these wonderful, wonderful uh, Man City supporters with me. And uh, just, let's sorry, uh, just thinking of the name. If you split it into two pods, the spe- <laughs> okay, second, right. second one, second one has to be Spunk Bubble. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> come on, Mike, you've got to do it. You've got to. I will. I, I will. I will. I'll definitely do Spunk Bubble for the, for <laughs> for the second one. You better, pro- check Liam, you better check with Liam first if you're allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. I'll, I'll try to come up with something creative for the first one. But I promise you, Ray, 
That will be the t- <laughs> that will be the title of the second one. I'm sorry. I'm, if, you, I, if, I'm you, if you can if you can get a thousand listens just for that title, uh, something's <laughs> wrong with Twitter. Oh my gosh, guys, you're giving me a heart attack here. <laughs> and, and you've got you've got to tag got to tag Liam in. You've got to tag him in. Oh no, can... I will, I will. My gosh, I will. Take I him to retweet it. Um, we always um, tweeted out to one of his mates called Shotty Horror, um, who apparently is a big rap star in the UK. But I, I, I don't know him, but he is a big, um, a big follower of ours. But uh, guys, I, I'm going to have to stop because I'm going. I'm literally going to run out, run out of oxygen here. Okay. <laughs> well, well, listen, guys. I really hope you enjoyed it. In fact, I know you'll enjoy it. All of our dedicated followers. There's um, 5,000 of you, and uh, we really, really appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much. And, uh, let's just finish off by telling you, you've been listening to <laughs> number one, Bernard. Bernard, thank you so much. Well, from all spunk bubbles up here in Manchester, I'd like to say good night to everyone. Oh, stop it. Oh, please stop it. Okay, okay, okay. And Colin Savage. Colin, thank you so much. I, I'm not sure I'm going to uh, be that, but uh, I'll just be sensible and say, um, oh, well, what, what, yeah, it's been a great laugh. I, I'm not even finished my, 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 my piss-boiling list, but I think I've done enough to be going on with. I know, guys. Did you realise we cut him off? He could have gone on for another hour. <laughs> he spoke bubble. <laughs> Stop, stop. Okay, Ray, Ray, thank you so much. Oh, hey, Mr. Wank's bangle to you. Just get it right. <laughs> this is getting silly. As they do to say, what did I say? Ray, thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> Guys, on an insane night, on an insane night, <laughs> with, with the bulldog. <laughs> thank you so much. And, uh, we'll be with you again after the next one. Until then. <laughs> Shut up. Okay, have one on us. <laughs> up the blues, up the blues. Oh. <laughs>